0: I've got a first world problem, man. <laughs> don't we all? It's really bumming me out. All right. It's really bumming me out. Had a good, had a good week. Had a good day today. It was a good Friday, and I keep having this issue that it's, it's. I, I don't want to say it's, it's escalating or cascading horribly. It's just it's gotten worse than what it was originally. Okay. What, uh, what kind of phone do you have? Do you have an Android or an
1: iPhone? I have an Android.
0: Okay. Do you, by chance, use any application that lets you have, like, random ringtones and notifications? No. Damn. Okay. (laughs) That was a long shot anyway, but...
1: I only use the default. That...
0: Yeah. That's my problem. Uh, I have... It's going to sound ridiculous, I know, but I have, like, 60-something ringtones that I've made over the years. We're talking years and years. And I've collected a small amount of notification sounds for, like, incoming texts and whatnot. Just just around, like, 900. So, <laughs> so what I've had for years now is there's one app that I've been using for years. Uh, it's, it's literally called Random Ringtones. And it lets you you just you pick a shit ton of ringtones that you want and you pick a shit ton of notification messages that you want notification sounds and it does exactly what it says it just when somebody calls or somebody texts you you get a random sound effect or a random ringtone and um it's worked well it's worked extremely well for years we're talking maybe i don't know it, i've probably had this thing since it first came out i don't know and uh, it does a lot of things that other apps I'm now finding obviously don't uh, like it uses a particular. So when I go to my when I go to my phone and go to my volume, like I turn a volume up or down mm-hmm. and then pick the channels, there's ringtone media notifications and systems. Right. It's specifically and only uses ringtone volume. Mm-hmm. That means I can have my music, if I'm playing music on it, turned up or down where I want to, and when somebody calls, it plays at a different volume. Makes sense. Yeah. I'll. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll. I'll. That's getting ahead of myself, though. So the problem I'm having is that any other application that I get a notification from, if it is a system message, uh, for example, if I get a uh. A, um du- a direct message from Facebook Messenger or somebody messages me on Discord mm-hmm. something like that or I get an email uh I have whatever system uh notification sound I have set up that will play fine but over the past I don't know one or maybe even two android updates mm-hmm. So it's hard to tell if it's actually the update that's causing the issue or if the if it's the app itself. But I have either one had my notifications just flat out stopped for text messaging. So nothing will play. Unless unless I revert back to a system setting, nothing will play. I'll get a the usual shit, like the the uh the screen will light up with a preview of the message. The little light will go off and I'll get a vibration, but no sound effect. Mm-hmm. And I was slowly starting to deal with that. But now it's getting to where, uh, like my wife called me earlier today, didn't hear my phone go off at all. So now my the freaking phone call uh, ringtones aren't working. And I've spent. A couple hours here and there on random afternoons this week. I'm, I'm not trying to jump ahead of my week, by the way. It's just yeah. getting some non game shit out of the way. Uh, but I have spent a couple hours here and there throughout my week trying some things. I initially had all of my ringtones and notifications set to my memory card. And I've just to try it, I moved everything from the memory card to the actual internal mem- memory of the phone. That didn't do anything. I have deleted that app and tried, I think, a total of six or seven other random ringtone applications, and most of those run into a myriad of problems. It's either uh, this application only works for ringtones; it doesn't touch notifications, and this one no- works for notifications but no ringtones. Uh, the volume channel was another one; like it was playing, it was playing everything at random, but it would play it through my. a a different volume place Mm -hmm. so like i would have my music playing at work really really low and then the thing would go off and i couldn't hear it because it was playing through that that same channel what else um trying to think of another one uh some a couple of them just flat out didn't work like i went through the trouble of adding 60 ringtones and 900 notifications and then first time somebody texted me or called me the thing crashed (laughs) so it's I've went back to the original one hoping that maybe I just need to uninstall it and reinstall it that didn't seem to work. And I'm probably actually to the point of maybe messaging the the uh creator of it or the team oh. or whatever and see if maybe somebody there can help me because it's almost like it's only to do with anything that that app touches, which is only really phone calls and and messages like text messages.
1: Yeah, it sounds if like If I take it sounds like the uh, yeah, yeah, there so. was an Android update, and then whatever hook they were using in the program is no longer valid, um, mm-hmm. so it's not working. So they probably just need to uh, update the app, you know, see whatever new API yeah. there is, if it, or if it's even possible anymore. You know, maybe they locked it down security wise.
0: Yeah, I tried to, I mean, I, I usually check my phone weekly to, to update apps, the ones that don't automatically update themselves, and that one doesn't have an update. So, uh, there was something else that I tried. Oh, yeah, the other weird thing is, so, and I again, I'm not, this is not tech support, I'm just venting this because this, mm-hmm. this really bugs me. I, I've used this same setup for years now, and it's, it's pretty cool to have a phone that plays different sound effects and having people throughout your life being like wait was that from king of fighters it's like yeah how did you know that and then another text goes off and they're like wait a minute was that the was that sonic yeah that was sonic good job uh i tried to so i went in and tried to flush all the ringtones and notifications like i went into the actual app itself Deleted all the app, uh, deleted all the notifications, deleted all the ringtones, and then added them back one by one. And for, I don't know, the first five or ten messages, it worked. And for the first, you know, few phone calls, it worked as well. But eventually, it just stopped altogether. Now, I have all these on my phone. So, I can be a basic person and just set one ringtone and one notification but I don't want to do that mm-hmm. cuz it's a first world nation. I'm not <laughs> gonna fucking fight for my freedom to have to play one damn on ringtone. This is bullshit. I pay my taxes, damn it. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. That's been my that's been my random little headache throughout the week and it's like it's went up and down because there's been times where i've had it working like oh okay all i need to do was this and it works and it eventually just stops working and i do something else and it's like oh i just needed to do this and then it stops working
1: yeah so my my first Meh. world problem uh for the week is parking i had to oh, go really? downtown which i'll get into this tell a little story in my week but i had to go downtown yesterday and I, you know, left at a reasonable time, went to go to the place, and I drove around downtown for about 20 minutes trying to find a place to park. Um, Holy cow. Every garage was full. There was zero, literally zero street parking allowed in the area I was going. Um, And I was, you know, gradually getting my... uh, circling wider to cover more blocks to try to find there were no uh you know uh street uh, meters no parking meters anywhere nothing so like okay and i finally found a lot um 20 minutes later uh that had openings and then i pull in and i think i got the last spot in that lot so jeez was, i i don't understand how these downtown of major cities like this have all these places available for parking but then there are 30 signs saying you can't park there ever you know yeah, it's like no parking between you know 7 and 9 unless you're a bus and no parking any other time it's like okay so no parking unless you're a bus just period (laughs) why have two signs it's and then you're trying to read signs while not holding up traffic too. It's oh my god, I hate driving downtown. If
0: you if you work in a major metropolitan style area and you are familiar with the bylaws and the reasons and the and the the codes and all that that go into this, I would love to know too because it I've and I not only in country but out of country, just different places I've been to. And I'm I'm standing next I'm standing at the corner where at my right shoulder is the beginning of like f- f- two or three hundred large scale buildings all within a block of each other. So there's it's sidewalks and roads and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I look to my left shoulder and see a parking lot that's about the half the size of a regular Walmart parking <laughs> yeah. lot. And then and then I look back. And I look back and look back and I'm like, this does not make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, how is this? I'm all for walking through city areas. I'm all for walking through large metro areas. That's fine. But you still need parking on the outskirts somewhere. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And paying tolls, I get that. I, I, if you will have the parking available and it's just that I have to pay okay I'm cool with that but when I gotta drive an extra 8 blocks down the way to find parking and then there's a time limit on it and it's oh man just
1: yeah so uh, I I briefly worked <clears throat> uh, at uh, the Huntington Ingalls shipyard uh, in one of them I don't know if there's more, more in Virginia but it's in Virginia when I lived down there and parking was a event if If I got to work at my normal time, I finally found one lot where I could park at every day, but it was like $6 per day. And this is every day, you know, that's my Monday to Friday job. If I got there just maybe 30 minutes later, that lot would be full and probably every other one to where there is one day where I think I walked more than a mile from where I parked to get to my office building. It was...
0: Yeah. Yeah. I heard stories of a local... uh, Before before we go any further, hello everyone and welcome to the end of time. I am Michael. And I'm Chris. Yeah, no game talk today. We're just talking real (laughs) life today. Real life! No, but I heard um, there's there's a local Ingalls type situation somewhere close to where I live as well. And... I was talking to somebody about, I guess they were working as like an internship or starting to work there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were describing what it was like parking at this place. And it's like the building itself is huge. Like mm-hmm. the place, the Ingalls place itself, the shipyard or whatever is a giant network of, of buildings and places mm-hmm. and whatnot on top of the shipyard. The parking lot itself is about a third of the size of the entire complex. And the further that you move up in the chain of command, the further you move up in the chain period, the closer you're allowed to park. Yeah, it's I was hearing all these stories of people that leave their house. They get to work like almost an hour, if not an hour and a half early just to park, just to well, to just to find a parking spot and to get on like a local. They kind of sort of have a local commute train or trolley or something. <laughs> But so many people apparently bring their vehicle to work, park, and then ride their bicycle like 15 minutes or so to get to the actual place of work. And mm-hmm. like apparently the traffic go in and, and, and fr- forgive me, I, I know I have some local fans. Or we have some local fans on the end of time cast. So if I've got all these facts wrong, fucking puff your cigar, sit back and let me know the details because this is like nine years. I remember hearing about this shit, but it, I remember just hearing just hearing about the parking of this place was like a circus Mm -hmm. like every it was a mad dash when it was time to punch out and everybody fucking runs to their cars and bicycles and pedals and there's a huge like stupid long line to get out of work and to get into work i remember hearing people telling me that i mean that like yeah man so the place is here i physically live like 45 miles away so i really have to leave about two hours early to get there an hour early so I can get everything situated, get my parking, get there, get changed, do all this shit, and get there and punch in exactly on time.
1: Yeah, so oh, man, so I work. I didn't oh, even man. work in the shipyard. I worked in an office building across the street. But at the end of the day, when it came time to leave, um, and one of the reasons I went in early like I did was because when you heard the. Uh, Horn whistle, whatever you want to call it, for the shipyard's uh, afternoon shift to end, or day shift I guess to end is the better way to put it. Um, if you heard that, you were too late. <laughs> because as soon oh, as wow. that went off and the shipyard starting that ship started leaving, traffic went from okay, this is fine to all right, now you gotta wait an hour to get out. Wow. It was a drastic, extreme and at that point, there were days it's like, oh, that was a whistle. I'll just go back to work for another hour and then leave. Yeah, Because there's no it. reason to leave now. Yep.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, I feel that. I, it's, it's not as bad where I work now, but I've had a couple times like that where we are fortunate at our job to where the main cutoff for the day is 4 o'clock, mm-hmm. but our... Supervision and leadership has mandated for years now that we, instead of having an hour long lunch break, we have a forty five minute lunch break. So instead of leaving at four o'clock, we actually leave at three forty five. And I tell you, we are one unit that leaves at three forty five, and that alone causes traffic. Mm-hmm. But when the whole entire base leaves at four o'clock, yeah, same thing. I'm, I yep. look out and I see the cars moving and I see how into the parking lot is and go, yeah, we'll see if I give me about 20, 30, uh, about 30 minutes to 45 minutes of overtime today. Yeah, I'm sure I got some programs I can work on. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I don't knock it so much. I'm I'm poking at it because it seems so crazy to me. But the whole entire lifestyle of of living in a city is unknown to me. I've never lived in a city, and I've never worked in a, I mean, a large city. Yeah. You know, multiple skies skyscrapers attached to each other, aside each other, and all that. I've never, I've never been in that, and that's always been, it's always been a horror to me to think that. Yeah, man, I work a nine-hour shift, nine, ten hours someday, but it takes me, I leave the house two hours before my shift starts, and I get home two hours after my shift ends. It's like, why up uh, traffic? Oh, I just, uh, man, mm-hmm. do what you do, earn your money. I'm sure to s- some people that losing four hours of your day sitting in a car is not that bad for the kind of money you're making, but for me can't do that man something about that just irks me i already got to be away from my wife for 40 minutes out of the day due to traveling but four hours man that's crazy to me uh well (laughs) another another week of the end of time cast let's you know i i realized Mm -hmm. uh I, I, I could lie, Chris, and say I've been thinking about it all week, but really just this moment, I realize we haven't brought up well-actuallys in a long time. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel uh, Mr. William Well-Actually Williamson uh, doesn't reside on the End of Time cast anymore. I'll say that, you know, we I'll tender the idea to bring it back because, I mean, really, we haven't really done it. I mean, we've done a mention, and half the time it's either one, we can't remember anything we've screwed up on, or two, we didn't. But I know that's bullshit, and I know we forgot. Uh, but we don't have audiences uh, catching our shit for us, and even in my editing, I'm, I'm only able to catch a few things here and there, and those aren't really worth mentioning, so... Meh. Well, actually, maybe back sometime in the future, but for now, we're good. Uh... I guess we can go into the the uh, somewhat natural evolution of our podcast, uh, which now is we talk about news before we roll into weeks. Uh, I noticed we did put, there was a lot of things mentioned. I, I, so many of these things that get put into our Discord, and I say hmm. our Discord, uh, Chris, Adam, and I have a Discord amongst ourselves, and we post this stuff to each other, so and I was telling Adam this this week same thing he always asks me hey did you see this that I put in discord I'm like man I did but I, my phone sits in the office when I'm out working the line so I never get to see them I'll come in and I have to do work and I'll check my phone and I go oh, okay I'll watch that later and then get right back to work <laughs> like I just, and then I get home and I forget so I'm sure there are great news articles that keep keep getting keep getting posted in our Discord, but unfortunately, yeah, this, I missed half of them.
1: This week was actually pretty quiet. Um, there was actually just an article yeah. today around Kotaka, which is one of my main places I check for news. Um, but there was an article with the whole thing going around lately, you know, with working uh, conditions, the, you know, video game crunch, all that whole thing that's been going. Um, oh. Project, uh, CD that's back Pro- in the news again, huh? Yeah, CD Project Red actually went to Kotaku and want to be like, Hey, we want to talk about what we're doing. Um, because they, you know, they've had employees say their places that CD project red is the same way. Um, but, uh, they're trying to, you know, come out and say, Hey, hold us accountable. Uh, these are our policies. You know, there is no mandatory overtime. Um, don't be afraid to say no, you know, this is the policy. And, um, I don't think they say, but the, uh, the, I think it was Jason is the author of this one too, but he says, yeah, you know, just because it's not mandatory doesn't mean they're not going to do it because that's expected, you know, um, it's the whole, you know, telling your boss, no, is never a fun thing to do. <laughs> right. Um,
0: and that. I, I, there's always been a loophole around that. It's like they're not always telling you the full story of that. It is the, hey, folks, 40-hour shift like everybody else in the world, and we thank you for doing your job, but we have this extra 30 hours here. Take it or leave it. And you have the some people who do take it for whatever reason. They either need money or they're behind on something and they need extra time to finish it, or uh, they 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 genuinely just want to sacrifice stuff in their in their personal life to go for the team because they care and they're that mm-hmm. passionate. Uh, whatever the reason will be, but let's say in this example, there's a there's a group of ten folks, and only two people take it. Then it's so on. The first pressure is, hey guys, we kind of need some more, like, yeah, we kind of really need some more people. We're not pointing fingers, and then maybe one or two pick it up. And then the leadership will start going around being like, well, you see, one, two, three, and four over there, they picked it up. Well, you know, some other ones didn't. You know appraisals are coming around and yada yada yada. That's that's the kind of yeah. shit that, that that really bugs me like really fucking bugs me yeah. and the argument there from a leadership perspective will be well yeah wouldn't you want to promote and recognize and praise the people who did step up to volunteer for overtime and i would say yes they're paid overtime <laughs> you know if if five, well, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten still did their 40 hours a week, why would they be punished because they didn't volunteer mm-hmm. for the overtime? You know, the punishment and the and the looking down upon and and, and ostracizing them, that's where the problem comes in.
1: Now real quick to touch on something me. you just said, there's not always overtime pay either. Sometimes it's just you're getting an annual salary. So if you work overtime, That's nothing extra. That's, you know, basically out of the kindness of your heart. Um, Yeah. But CD Projekt Red, in their statement, um, or I don't know if it was part of the statement or if it was just facts included, but they actually do pay overtime. Um, It's time and a half for, you know, basically nights. And then the weekend is Mm -hmm. actually double pay. Good. So I was really happy to see at least they're, they're getting paid for it. I've been in that yeah. boat before. I know how it goes. So. Right. I hate that.
0: It is such a, it is such a crazy conversation. And I know we've talked about it before, but I, I don't mind talking about it again. Mm-hmm. The, the issue of crunch and all that. And it, it I, I realize that I'm talking for Adam as well. Cause he's not here, but he and I had this conversation as well about this. And he brought up a good point. You know, crunch does exist and i agree crunch does exist there are times when crunch is needed and i agree with that you know when you have a mission essential thing that needs to be done in 4 hours and you know damn well it's going to take 5 to 6 hours it's it's crunch time it's time to fucking put the knuckle to the grindstone and just fucking knock it out and that's a, that's a short hour example when you're talking about game development where months are involved you know, you you have a release date of four months out and you've got eight months of work to do. I, mm. I get it. I don't have a problem. I don't because I understand how the business itself works. I understand how work works. I don't have a problem where something fell through the cracks or something went sideways or you have a 50 spoke wheel and 45 of those spokes work fine. But the critical five Fucked up because of a bug. Whatever the reason. Mm -hmm. Guys, we have got to fucking make this happen. Okay, good. Let's go. I'm fine with that. Because I've had to do that. I've had to make people do Mm -hmm. that. When the situation arises and people have to pick their fucking boots up and move forward, I'm okay with that. Especially when the company, the leadership, whatever, compensates them for it. What I'm not okay with, and this especially goes into game development, when that becomes the norm. Right. When executives as a whole, as a whole, get together and say, We have this new game. We have Persona 6 in the works. And they go from the storyboard to the music to the coding to the software preparation to making the game work on the PlayStation 4. To do any the battle system, the everything involved in this game. And they say, okay. How long is it going to take to make this game? Uh, five years. Okay, so five years is, is that easy? Is that conservative? Nope. Five years from everything. We already got it lined up. Everything's going to go away. They leave the room, have a dark little secret fucking meeting, and come back and go, <laughs> My analyst tells me that you can get it done in two. And I was like, How the fuck do you think we're going to do that? Well, you work people until they're stupid. You work people until they are physically and mentally ill and you can get it done. Well, I, I mean, I suppose we could. Well, well, you should because that's how we want it done. That's where the problem comes in. When it becomes the status quo, mm-hmm. when that becomes the, the norm. Now, Adam also brought up a point that You know, when a game is being developed, it's being when when a game is announced and being developed, they're waiting for the payday. Not just because executives want to line their money with the pockets and go have vacations down in Tijuana. It's also because the next game or the further employment of those people do depend on the success of that game. Mm -hmm. You know, not every game out there is going to be a Grand Theft Auto Five. So when you look at Grand Theft Auto V's development cycle and you see that they were at that game for a long time, when that thing sold, yeah, if they wanted to, they could rest for a good bit because it made a shit ton of money. Not every game is going to do that. So unfortunately, some companies will have to go from game, and then half to two thirds through the cycle, they start another game, and then half to two thirds they do another game. I-, I get it. There's a cycle out there. There's a repetition. There's a reason for it. I still don't know, Chris. It's 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 such a it's such a weird place to talk about because on the one hand, yes, I do want games. I do want more games. I do want better games. But I I I still just don't want it. I don't want it to be that critical where people are losing their their health over it. Like I don't I don't know how else to explain yeah. it. There and is. the world seems to be telling the world as a whole seems to be telling us, Chris, that well, well, I'm sorry, guys. That's what it has to be. And I just don't I don't buy it. Um. Uh, we're not in the eighties. We're not in the nineties. So developing a an Atari or a Nintendo game is it's nothing compared to as far as the density and 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 production time involved. Nothing in the same realm as developing, oh, say, a PlayStation 4 game. I get that. A lot of this shit takes time and it's only it's it's expanded over time. Exponentially. I get that. But and there's so much involved, man. There's talent. There's people's like, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we can't just hire fifty more people to this fifty man team because a lot of these things require quality of these people. We need these square people, and we can't just put round people and triangle people in there as well just to fit spaces. So let me and ask you a know, quick man.
1: question: Did you okay. watch the God of War documentary?
0: I did. I did.
1: Okay, because that there's. There are lots of hints to that in that documentary. Um, yeah, I don't know if we want to say that for Afternoons to kind of discuss, but um. uh, well, we could we uh, we can go ahead
0: and talk about it now. We don't. I don't know where the episode's going today. I don't really have a topic, so yeah, let's 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 talk about it. Man, so what do you mean? What what were you? What, yeah, <clears throat> what were you bringing up
2: specifically?
1: So there were points where. Um, At one point, uh, something happened to another project they had, and they had more people than they knew what to do with. You know, that's kind of one part of the whole issue. And then it came around to uh, later on that, you know, they entered crunch time. Uh, I think at one point (laughs) they had a little PowerPoint thing up, and they're like, at this time in the system, there are... 800 and something bugs or some high you know in the hundreds number oh yeah and it was like Mm -hmm. yeah we don't have much time to get rid of those that was and then just the kind of overall emotional uh uh impact it had on a lot of people their response to certain questions (laughs) uh, especially Mm -hmm. pertaining like sacrifice and whatnot
0: um, oh, man. Yeah. The one woman okay. she was
1: like, so, I don't want to answer that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just for clarity, I'm, I th- I know you did just say it, but for mm-hmm. those that are what we're talking about. So there is a, a hope. Always trying to think in the future, man. I don't know if in 2041 somebody's listening to this episode and <laughs> YouTube isn't even a thing anymore. But there is a two hour documentary out there uh for god of war 2018 and yeah i remember chris when you when we brought this up last week you said you would already watched it and you uh, you said something along the lines of you know what uh there was some highs and lows or it was a bit of a roller coaster and all that uh, something like that i remember hearing what you said and was like man it was just a documentary like usually those are just super informative and you know, it go it should go from the bottom to the top. You know, hey, we have a game idea. Hey, we're developing it. Hey, the game's out it's successful. And then I watched it and Yeah. So the first thing was uh uh Santa Monica getting shut down. Mm-hmm. That was like, wow, cause and it could be editing, too, but it was like they were doing stuff and then doing stuff. And the documentary was going off and they were talking about this and doing that and all this going on. And then, bam, oh, yeah, we're shut down. It's like, wow, just fucking roadblock, straight roadblock. But the part you're talking about, yeah, that really, I don't remember what I was doing. I think I was playing a game or something when I was watching it, but I stopped everything I was doing because that was a, that was a shocker. Mm-hmm. So... There, there were two two uh, ladies that were part of the development team, and the interviewer was asking both of them, like, you know, with this game being so huge, like there ha- of course, there were sacrifices, but I'm sure that at the end of the day, and I'm paraphrasing, mind you, but I'm sure at the end of the day, you know, you're 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 happy despite the sacrifices. Like, what kind of how how has your personal life, uh? been how has your personal life been affected you know how what sacrifices have you made to make this game happen and the first lady she kind of gave a bit of a textbook answer Mm -hmm. it was kind of a typical like pr answer of you know well of course we all sacrifice and but you know you do that for the good of the team do it for the good of the product and yada 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 and everything's good and the other lady just was silent for like 15 seconds or so and she was like I I don't want to answer this right now and almost was tearing up and I was like oh man oh man uh and a little bit later a few minutes later that they I think I think the director of this uh kind of realize what a, what a wall that was mm. because they ended up peppering in a little bit of what she meant afterward when she said something like you know uh, and just this and that you know kind of like i uh, like like raising your children you know i haven't got to see my children out of you know all the time but you just you you got to do that and it's like i don't think that's the main thing she was talking about but mm-hmm. uh that definitely is an is a idea of what she was getting at and that's just two people.
2: Yeah. You
1: know, later that's just on they have two people. Uh, the voice of Kratos himself. And he he has this very outgoing yes. personality. He's he seems like he's a really awesome guy to just hang out with. Um, seeing him oh, and yeah. him and Boy in the studio. Man. Um, their whole yeah. interaction. They
0: talked about their chemistry, but the mm-hmm. watch them get on, like they were fucking cutting jokes to each other and slamming <laughs> and cussing each other and all that. And I was like, Yeah, that's it. That's good. It's good to know that.
1: Yeah, and then uh, he—I don't know the exact question, but what really uh, jumped out at me was also talking about sacrifice. And he talked about a little bit about you know not getting to see a lot of his kids uh, growing up, uh, type thing. Um, but he has—he has an outgoing personality. So when you see him get quiet and solemn like that, make a couple comments and just kind of lap it off and then you know yeah he you kind of expect a cut there to switch to something else but they stayed on him and then the laugh faded yep. again and just went back to that um yep that real depressing look um and he said something else and then they cut after that but it was just like man this is a guy that's yeah. been put through a
0: instantaneous lot tonal shifts in that in that that little that 1 minute of that interview mm-hmm. you know and i think if i remember right i, I should have, i wish i could pull this up and look at it right now but i think i think what he says is this game essentially cuz i mean we're not even building it up proper like we i do recommend if you If you like this game, go check out this documentary. I mean, really, watching the documentary, if you like gaming at all, it's a good insight. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes shit with this as far as the production, the idea, crafting, uh, the steps and the processes and all that. It's a really good documentary. But, yeah, it's real sullen when he starts talking about his kids and all this stuff, and he's like, you know, same thing, like you make sacrifices, you gotta do this, and then he goes he says, uh if I remember right, he says this game at the end of the day is is my apology Mm -hmm. to my children and that's all I'm gonna say about that, and he gets real quiet, and I was like oh man, you guys it's supposed to be a God of War documentary, you're hitting (laughs) me in the feels man, oh no but, you know Sullen, so, sullen shit aside, it was also good to watch this from the ground up. Mm-hmm. You know, really hit home what they were trying to go for with this game. You know, Corey kept hitting home, period, that we need to remake God of War. Yeah, you know, we need to remake Kratos mm-hmm. because, like, right at the beginning when they showed that that you know one of Hundreds of pictures that you generally associate Kratos with. You know, it's something with him, you know, screaming or, or hollering or or pulling blades through something or ripping an eyeball open. It was one of those pictures of Kratos. And he's mm-hmm. like, this is what people see when they see Kratos. Our job is to change this completely. We don't want to see this anymore. We want to keep Kratos visually where you could recognize him. But this character needs to go and hearing them talk back and forth about the idea of having kratos as a father uh them talking about bringing the uh when they showed the demo or or idea concept or something to the sony executive and he was like just watching the look on his face and he wouldn't talk to me about it, so somebody else had to ask him and then somebody else and he was and they were he was like what what the hell was that you just mm-hmm. showed me and it's like man, how defeating is that you know that's man man any other uh memorable moments from that from that documentary for you
1: um I really liked <laughs> i I liked seeing all of the uh the snippets of when they showed actual uh, voice recording and then the mocap and mocap mm-hmm. while voice recording, or I guess they were kind of, you know, doing it anyway, so it was natural. And then they, uh, you know, do the high quality recording afterwards. Um, but seeing that yeah. whole process was really cool. Uh, oh, yeah. With all the whole setup they had, the head cam and how everything was going, and some of the little, you know, comments they'd make. And it seemed like. As stressful as I'm sure it was long-term, it seemed like they had a whole lot of fun, too. Mm-hmm. It was really great.
0: Yeah. As even even little things where... So, f- for me, what hooked me into God of War, period, was that trailer. Mm-hmm. That trailer at E3. And, you know, for years, I I have... I always forget that there was a live orchestra there for that that i i just forget that i was so drawn into the trailer and the action and the narrative and story of the trailer that when i watched this documentary and they brought the sound director in Mm -hmm. you know he's a he's a quirky but very intelligent and cool guy when they when it showed him walking down to the where the uh orchestra was set up Mm -hmm. and i was like oh shit yeah this is a big deal but that that trailer alone is what hooked me to this game. That trailer for everything from the graphics to the way it was shot to the story they were posing, uh the action that that you saw, I, all that so drew me in. And watching them, just watching watching the boy, I, I we keep saying the boy, he's mm-hmm. got a name. I just can never remember his name. That, I mean that's what but they referenced wa-
1: the entire time too.
0: Right. They almost right. never said his but, name. Mm-hmm. But watching the boy in his mocap suit doing the, you know, uh, crashing the two little toys together mm-hmm. and the guy with the camera like following him and it, the, the trailer was shot like a movie and go figure cutscenes in the game were shot like a movie. And I think yep. that worked so well. Uh, I would be hard pressed right now to think of other video game movie uh, cutscenes that have worked like that have worked that well. But Chris and I know this, and anybody else that play this game knows. Almost all the cutscene cutscenes in this game are like that, and it always blew my mind. I guess because I'm just so far behind or out of the loop of how these cutscenes are made these days, but. Yeah, they just throw somebody in a mocap suit and then have the guy with the camera be just like a regular camera dude with, you know, walking around and finding these angles and swooping cameras coming in. And man, not only God of War, but I hope other games play just like that because it worked so well. Mm -hmm. And then getting to see that, you know, how it was made. That was very cool. It was also crazy when they said, yeah, we had a year. It took us a year to get that trailer for E3. And now we have about a year to complete the game. (sighs) Oh, man, Mm -hmm. that's scary. That is incredibly scary. I'm sure that there's other stuff they're not telling you. I mean, they didn't spend a year just on the trailer. They were just saying that it took them a year to finalize that for E3. The game was still being developed. All that stuff was still going on.
1: Yeah, I imagine that includes, you know, Engine up to that point, uh, any changes they had to make as they progressed through that because they had a whole thing about um, trying to get... Like, they had the concept for it, but they had to get it mechanically ready, graphically ready, and kind of finalize the whole idea behind it. Especially, you know, when the uh, that exec wasn't happy with it, all that stuff. So, I mean, they crushed it, though.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And to cap it all off i mean watching watching this team throughout it period they they also the documentary did a very good job of of not all the time but but peppering in those moments of like animosity those moments of of arguing and dispute you know which this is something that doesn't always get brought up in documentaries it doesn't always get pinpointed but when you have a shitload of people on the same team working together for the same goal, there are gonna be points of contention. There are gonna mm-hmm. be times where people are like, "I want this to look blue." Well, I don't think it's gonna look good blue. It needs to be red. No, it can't look red because of this, that. They brought a few of those up. You know, they 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 had the negative points, but they also did a very good job of just showing these people together passionately making this project work which folks this is one game almost every game has this this was just a documentary showing this but it was very awesome to see the stress i got i feel so bad saying that but (laughs) if it, it was so awesome to see the roller coaster of stress that Corey barlog had to go through and then at the very end, Chris, man, it was so cool. It was so awesome. Almost brought me to tears when it was like, he was like, yeah, so the game's getting released. I just woke up like I'm... I'm going to go, I don't even know how I feel right now. Like, I'm not even prepa- I'm not prepared or prepped for this. I'm just going to log on and start seeing how this game is trending and look at stuff and see how, this, let, let me see how the world is taking my game in or the U.S. is taking my game in. And he's just, you can hear him like, like clicking and moving the keyboard and moving the mouse around. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, right. okay. Right. And he And then he just starts crying and then the documentary ends and it's like man that felt so awesome to see you know because you get to watch throughout this documentary you get to watch this man go through a lot of I don't know like I, I, I hope it's gonna go good but people are looking for this Kratos and I'm giving them this and I don't know yeah the trailer was real good and received very well but this is the entire game Let's see. And guess what, man? The fucking world loved it. This game is great. Accepted, renowned, got game of the year, all that. And to watch him just melt into tears of happiness and joy, that was awesome. That was my pinpoint of that entire documentary. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, good stuff. Glad I watched it. more and more should do that. I like I like seeing that. Yeah. Uh so another point of news, while not necessarily a an entire Nintendo Direct, there was a Super Mario Maker 2 Direct a couple days ago. Oh, Did you yes get a chance was. to check
1: this out, Chris? Absolutely. <laughs> this
0: All right. Oh. So go ahead. Go ahead, please.
1: So They showed, uh, they revealed, uh, Super Mario Maker 2 not too long ago at a Nintendo Direct. I think it was the same one that they did Pokemon at, maybe, if I'm Mm, remembering correctly. I think,
0: I think.
1: But they showed just, just a smidge of stuff. You know, just enough to go, hey, we're Mm -hmm. making it. And hey, it's coming out sometime in June. (laughs) So that was like, oh, well, that's two months away at that point. Because this was uh, Mm -hmm. about a month ago, I think. Um... Mm -hmm. But this one was, hey, this isn't part of, you know, a bigger Nintendo Direct. This is a Nintendo Direct 15 minutes of Super Mario Maker 2. And they showed so much stuff. Um, A ton of stuff. The... I I don't even know where to start. Um,
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm actually... Behind the curtain here, I'm looking for a good article that has basically bullet statements of all the stuff that was revealed because a lot was revealed.
1: Yeah, so there uh, are there are a couple of interesting things that they showed. Um, I mean, there are obviously new environments, etc. Those are cool to have, but those are kind of on the smaller side of the excitement scale. Um, mm-hmm. When they showed one thing that was cool was co-op level making um but the assumption is that it's a local only which is understandable but also a little disappointing because Mm -hmm. there are so many things if you had two people working on the same level on two different switches um the the collaboration that could occur then is awesome yeah Um, yeah and then multiplayer gameplay that's very interesting um Mm -hmm. co-op and versus so there's like a whole versus ladder ranking system (laughs) that's going to be in (laughs) um they're adding uh so one of the little the if fear changes at this point because we don't know quite how it's going to work out is that they're getting rid of hundred man and substituting it for uh endless mode Yeah, And based on what they showed in the trailer and what they said was you didn't actually get to pick your difficulty. It would just randomly pick for you, which I think is not good. (laughs) Because if you have an easy auto level, which an auto level is a level that you literally don't press any buttons and it bounces you through to the finish. That's an auto level. Mm -hmm. So to have those and then to have something that comes from Super Expert you know, a Kaizo level, that's not a good flow, that's not a good Interaction. Um, Mm -hmm. And it says endless mode, but you can complete it. So, how many levels is endless mode? Um, Yeah. Is there, you know, a completion is every 20 levels? Is that, you know, something like that? So, we kind of need a little bit more information on that side of it. Um, They have, I guess, one of the biggest change wise as far as capabilities is adding in the. Uh, 3D world.
0: Yes, Um, that's the that's one of the big hooks for it is all the the different styles of Mario that you can play with now and now 3D is involved, but not just the there's there's so much
2: there's
1: so much. Yeah, and there are other things like there are a lot of uh, new creatures and whatnot that go real quick on 3D worlding. The only disappointing thing there is that it's so different that you cannot uh, basically use a lot of the assets in the other modes. It is its own type. Um, So that's Hmm. interesting. Most of the others, you have interchangeable stuff, um, and it basically just are skins for it, you know?
2: Yeah. Um,
1: So
0: a few other things that I've found. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, go for it uh so I, I, I found what i was looking for it was a little a few bullets here and there uh so super mario through your world is the new is a new hook there yeah there's uh all kind of uh themes there's going to be a desert theme a snow theme there will be a uh potentially day and night ability not potential. so you could <laughs> well yeah so sorry uh I don't know if the changing day and night in the level is is the thing, though. I don't know if you pick a day theme or a night theme, or if you can have both. You can have both. But, okay, I cool. I believe, yeah. And, yeah. Maybe. Uh, Actually,
1: I see what you're saying the, now. I think yeah. so.
0: Well, the bigger takeaway... F- the bigger takeaway wasn't even the fact that it was that 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 aside is that the night mode. So while you can have the angry sun during the day, you can have the you can have an angry moon at night. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, tons of new enemies uh, like the ant trooper, uh, piranha creeper, a, ca- a cat bullet bill uh bonsai bill the big ass bonsai bills also you can have there there's a red one that's a heat seeking or a a player seeking that's kind of (laughs) scary like i remember when they announced that part there was like six red bonsai bills on the stage at the same time Mm -hmm. and they were all firing they were all coming toward mario in a screen cut i was like oh he did oh he (laughs) did (laughs) you ain't getting out of that uh the Boom Boom character, I believe that is his name, from Super Mario yes. Brothers Three. The uh, like the Mid Castle uh, Mid Boss, he's, he's in there. Uh, and I mean, dude, we would be here for a long time talking about all the blocks and enemies and all that shit. Yeah, the, but
1: some of the biggest block changes are actually the on-off switches, and they were shown in the previous direct, but a lot of their capability was in question. You know, what can you control with it? And they showed sure that you can control a lot—not um, only the you know red and blue blocks as expected, but also the conveyor belts. Uh, mm-hmm. There were blocks that have spikes on them that you could turn on and off. Um, so it looks like there are a ton of options for it, which is really cool to see. Yeah.
0: You can control the height and the movement and the speed of water and lava in yeah. levels now. That's that's awesome. So you have water levels, but you can also have them rise and fall. There's like three different speeds for them rising and falling. Uh There was a crane item now that looked so like it looked like a vine hanging down from a block that had two little fingers on the end and Mario jumped into it and was able to swing back and forth and be released. Apparently, you can use that for enemies as well. Yep. Um, So a couple things that really stood out to me that I am extremely interested in is one, if you go online and you download a level. You, I, and I don't know if that's this 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 has always been there or what, but the fact that they talked about it makes me think this has not been a thing. But apparently, you can basically just mass. You can download these levels that you play, and they're available to you on or offline. So, if somebody like me, I could go online and just download levels all day long, and then play them in perpetuity. Yeah, so I've, that's that's awesome.
1: I, I I really have no idea how it works as far as offline goes, but I know in you know, Mario Maker One you can download levels because you can go into the editor and edit them and look at them. Um, that's kind of one yeah. of the ways to, after getting stuck on a really hard level, you can go in and go okay, is there a secret door or power up somewhere that you know basically a dev door, etc. Um, but I don't yeah. know. If Marmaker One has any offline capability.
0: Yeah, that's that's good to know that they're they have jumped on that. I'm glad I was glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Because now the amount of gameplay that you have is not just based on your online play. It's how big is your hard drive? Because <laughs> you yeah. know, you want twenty levels or seven thousand, you know? uh and as we know with Mario Maker 1 the community is going to go absolute ape shit with this there are oh, yeah. going to be levels there are going to be too many levels this game has <laughs> become this game has become impossible to play forever because there's just so much shit they're constantly getting new updates people having changes to some somebody will make a level and then 15 people will grab that and make a modification to it i mean it's so many so much endless play i like i like that uh going back to uh characters and items and stuff like that it was cool to see that uh dry bones the shell is actually getting some play uh you can turn into dry bones well yeah so the the first thing i saw was you can take a dry bone shell Mm -hmm. and you hop into it almost like a tanuki suit you can bounce around in it but if you are in a dry bone shell, you can jump into lava and survive. You can jump yeah, in and out of lava, lava with boat. the <laughs> with the dry bone shell underneath you, like a like a, 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 a uh shoe. And apparently, you can turn into a dry bones, as in you can. So, like they showed, like a fireball going by and he just crumbled into a mat, into a pile of bones like when yeah. Mario jumps on top of a dry bones and then when the fireball passed through him and went over he turned back into normal that's that's cool i like that i like that idea um just you can see all you can i think like you said earlier you can sort all the levels by difficulty and stuff and i think that's pretty cool you can difficulty and oh, type tags. of level it is too tags yeah tags thing awesome awesome and also this is a, this is another big big uh thing is there is basically a single player co- uh single player offline uh campaign so to speak yeah and they feel like over a
1: hundred levels too
0: yep so the the idea is princess peach is asking to have her castle rebuilt and And you have to go through a custom design level and get some money, donate that money to the castles rebuilding, and that will help to rebuild the castle. You can also go through the castle as it's being rebuilt, and I think that may may be another way that you can access further levels. Kind of like Mario 64. But the big takeaway for me of all that was that there are a hundred levels designed by the design teams at Mm -hmm. Nintendo. A hundred levels. But it's not just the fact that it's a hundred levels that the team designed. They geared it toward people who... Somebody like me, who is not very uh, innovative or imaginative, (laughs) if you want to play the maker aspect predominantly, but you don't feel that you're creative enough or you don't feel you have a good enough grasp of all the mechanics, of all the things available to you, or if you want to see how other people, how how like a progressive way that these levels can be built, then playing through this 100 plus level uh, campaign will help do that. Because you will be playing through levels where they have... they have put enemies and objects in ways to give you more ideas, you know? So instead of having, if you don't, Get the concept of, you know, put a Koopa Troopa on a hill because when you jump on him, the shell will slide down or you can slide down. You can play a level that shows that and you go, oh, I didn't. So this this item can be used for this purpose or this enemy can be used for this purpose. Like I, I like that because. People can laugh at Mario all they want, but there are a megaton of mechanics when it comes to these Mario Maker games. There are... Just go watch a GDQ of a Mario Maker race and go see how creative these levels can be. It's not just about run to the right, jump on a Goomba, get a mushroom, get bigger anymore. It's using enemies and terrain and... Buttons and switches and all this stuff t- to do all kind of crazy shit. And hopefully having this 100 level uh, almost pseudo tutorial story campaign will help people out who don't get all that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it was good to know. It was good to know. That is a draw for me. Because when I looked at Mario Maker 1, I just... I. I I say that, Chris, but I've never played it. I haven't tried it, so I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I can make a few good levels and and be pretty good at it. But I just don't think that I'm. I don't think I have a creative allowance that big enough <laughs> to make fun Mario levels. Yeah. So I, with th- with this saying, hey, we're gonna give you lots of insight into how this shit can be done. That's that's good for somebody like me.
1: Yeah, I. I have Mario Maker 1. I bought it mainly for the kids because they like the mm-hmm. uh, other Mario games that I have. And mm-hmm. I don't think they ever went into the level-making thing, and I didn't either. Um, yeah. Like I said, I bought it mainly for them. I played uh, a little bit, and then I was like, okay. <laughs> That's yeah. It. yeah.
0: But it does have a huge community. I mean, it's got a lot of fandom. Oh, yeah. And if, if, if anything... Uh, I can't wait to see the. I cannot wait to see how this is done with the next GDQ or ADGQ. I can't. I, I can't wait because you know, you know, another race, another relay race, another blind relay race is coming, and I can't wait. So it's funny be awesome. thing
1: about that, because um, I'm, ty- I'm uh, kind of dialed into the Mario Maker community a little bit. Um, I have a couple mm-hmm. of streamers I watch and um, whatnot, but. When they announced it was June, well June is the next GDQ. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of concern that oh, is it gonna release while all of these big Mario Maker players slash streamers are gonna be at GDQ? Yeah. and I think it is actually at the end of it. I know Barbarous King, uh, who made Grand Poo World Two and the person obviously. Um, and some other hacks and stuff. He also does Mario Maker stuff. Um, he's actually leaving GDQ early, so that he can go home <laughs> and be there for release. I I don't blame him.
0: <laughs> go out there make make more content for us. I I will appreciate it, and I and I know you'll have fun playing it too. So that's good. Yeah, it was very it was very awesome seeing all that. Uh, I watched it in general because it was a Nintendo Direct-style thing. And I mm. am loosely interested in the Mario Maker world because of my hesitation with making and all that. But I do enjoy watching people play through those levels. And I do especially watch it at the GDQ level. And the more they kept revealing, the more they kept coming across that screen, I was like, man, this is... I th- if you think Mario One was complex, Mario Maker One was complex. This ups that ante big time. Oh, yeah. I can't, I cannot wait to see how the community use
2: all. You've uses got all the this. car.
1: Uh, yeah, I forgot about the car. Go kart, car. I think it's more mm-hmm. of a car, but it's like okay, wh- how. How does this belong in Mario? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, dude. When, so they were showing th- there were that one part somewhere in the middle where they were like quick cutting to all these different things. When it mm-hmm. showed some, I'm assuming Nintendo character, like old NES character running from right to left in this, on the screen and like whacking a sword. I was like, who the fuck is that?
1: And why is he there? <laughs> like, it's like,
0: where did that guy come from?
1: Yeah, that's, but the the sound effects and visual effects are one of the unfortunate things, at least for a lot of the serious Mario Maker community, because they're just used mm-hmm. as annoyances in levels a lot of times. Um, yeah, they'll be overused yeah. and whatnot. But it, they are. It mm-hmm. is cool from a casual perspective, but when you realize how flooded levels and stuff get with this, like great now that's more of that we're gonna have to listen to
0: yeah 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 uh so yeah it's it's gonna be good it's gonna be awesome well i be oh oh, you know what another thing chris and maybe you can chime a little bit on this because you actually have it uh predominantly from what i understand people that play mario maker one play it with I mean, obviously, it's on the Wii U, so they play it with the stylus, and this is coming out on the Switch, and there is no stylus for the Switch, so they did show, like, a custom Mario Maker 2, uh, stylus that they were going to sell on the side for it, uh, that's I saw. This was like an after or on the side thing that I was watching most of this with Easy Allies, and um, yeah, it makes me wonder, uh, if this is going to be a huge deal. Like I would think you. Yes. I, I don't. I I I don't know if it's going to be mandatory, or I would figure you could just use your finger, but I I don't know. What do you think?
1: The stylus itself, that's not really relevant. Nobody I don't think anybody really cares about the stylus other than it's a neat pre order bonus thing. The issue is building a level while docked. Is it even possible? Yeah. Because you don't have the screen while it's docked. So a lot of streamers are, you know, they one of the ways they make their living is making levels and they do that on stream. Uh, a lot you know maybe a mix on and off but some of them do it on stream a lot so is this now completely n- void as a you know streaming capability can you not make it on your screen do you have to use it even just using the tiny uh, I say tiny relatively speaking uh, switch screen in comparison to your TV or monitor you know that's mm-hmm. that I think is the biggest concern um, stylus yeah. I looked it up looks neat also may not be in the US from what i'm seeing
0: yeah maybe maybe but yeah that was just something i was curious about i don't know if it actually even matters you know but i i haven't played mario maker 1 and i so i don't know i don't have my finger on the pulse of how they how like did you did you, did you use stylus mainly or did you or did you use finger like what was your main control like was that a concern for you stylus. when you saw this being released or yeah stylus uh on the switch so we'll see in any event looks awesome uh twilight batman uh chris is a non gaming article i want to talk about real quick i don't know if you've seen this because because this uh this popped up it well for me i saw this today uh or late yesterday afternoon i forget regardless so robert pattinson i believe is how you pronounce his name I should type it in right now. Uh, so I have it right. Pat Pattinson, because I, I'm one of those guys that like saying the name right if I can. Mm. Robert Pattinson, sure. Uh, you know him from Twilight fame, or you know about him because you haven't seen the Twilight movies, you just know who he is. Uh, big, big to do all over all over uh, face my Facebook and Twitter and all this shit right now, because he is being um, looked at either rumored to or is going to be playing the next Batman and the internet's a buzz about this and I don't know why I guess because people are surface level comparing Robert Pattinson that they know from Twilight with Bruce Wayne Batman and they're not making those two fit together uh do you have anything to say about Robert Pattinson playing as Batman?
1: I mean, good for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I'm not a Twilight fan either. Um, I've seen mm-hmm. a couple of the movies, um, not entirely by choice, but I have seen them. Um, not a huge fan of them, but I have nothing against him. He was also in Harry Potter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mm-hmm. had no, he was good there. So yeah, good for him.
0: Yeah, I, I will say I have a few things to say about this. I have not watched all the Twilight movies, mainly because it, it, it aside from the obvious sparkly vampire meme that everybody knows uh. Does anybody even remember Twilight? I don't remember the last time anybody's even talked about Twilight, honestly. Uh, That shit was a hot joke thing whenever Twilight, the series, was around. But then once it ended, that shit dusted. So, uh, in a joking way, I say that. It's funny to me that people even remember Twilight. But I watched the first Twilight. I, I forget what female I watched it with, but neither of us were interested in it. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I ever saw any other twilight ever and it's funny I have not read this I have not read these quotes I have not seen an actual interview but the vibe I'm getting from Robert Pattinson period post twilight franchise is that he's kind of sick of it kind of tired of it and he's tired of people talking about it. And I've heard this from other actors from other series as well, mm-hmm. mainly because it's all anybody ever associates him with. And I understand that. While I am not you know, uh, an actor, so I can't strictly speak on it, uh, I get the idea of uh, everybody always thinks that I am like, like uh, the guy that plays Harry Potter. He will always yeah. be Harry Potter in people's eyes. And I understand that as, as a, if that's all you ever did, I could see you being okay with that. But again, going back to Robert Pattinson, he is an actor. He has played in movies before the Twilight franchise, and he has been playing in movies after. And I, for him and other ones that have these movies that have negative connotations around them, I, I really do feel for the guy mm-hmm. because... I've seen him in a couple other movies and even if he's just a decent actor he was from what I've seen him in before I don't even remember what I can't recall other movies that I've seen him in but I do know I have and he was all right he did a good job he seemed like a fine actor but imagine him being in a movie and being either second to top or top bill and people look at the title and they just see it's him and go oh they see the cover and they see Robert Pattinson. oh that's that Twilight guy I'm not watching that and he's like Man, this was my this was my magnum opus. this was my this was my Be- Beethoven's fifth. this was my best performance, but nobody will watch it because everybody associates me with the Twilight guy. So I do I do feel for the guy. Yeah. all that aside my last I forget what other movie I had to say this for, but I have no problem with this not only because it's like i said he's he's not he's an actor he's not just twilight vampire guy but i remember i've said this before for other actors but i remember back in the day because initially i was on that same bandwagon i remember people charging the streets heath ledger as the joker
2: mm-hmm. no
0: way there's no way that can work. That's that's a, why would they why, and it's it's so bad even looking back then because you can see the movies that he played in up until Dark Knight, and you can really tell a couple movies that bigots were actually complaining about. But he was in Knight's Tale. I thought he did a, a, an okay role in Knight's Tale. I think people's complaint was that they could not see him as the Joker because they never saw him in a role that came close to the Joker. Mm -hmm. And plus, with the way that this new Joker was going to be written, it just, it seemed like a darker-ish tone and they just couldn't, they couldn't put the two together. And I understand that for Robert Pattinson in this ordeal. They only know him as the fucking crystal white sparkly vampire and all these teeny bopper vampire movies and then you put him up against Bruce Wayne slash Batman really hard to make that fit I I, I say give him a chance give it a shot uh, he is an actor he has some kind of talent because people have people have picked him to be the next Batman they see something in him trust in that maybe he'll come out and wow you like Heath Ledger did I hope so honestly do i i have nothing against this guy playing as batman the fact that he played in the twilight movies that's not if he only ever played the twilight movies even then i would say that i just it's hard for me to see him as bruce wayne because i can't i have no basis but this guy has other acting chops he has other acting roles he might surprise you he might surprise us all but if he's bad, I'm not going to be, I mean, it's like, how silly is this? You know what? So what if this Batman movie comes out and he plays a bad Bruce Wayne or a bad Batman or a bad both? Are you going to, what's you? oh, well, it's because they picked that vampire guy. Like that's nothing to, that's, that's nothing. To, these two have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> so give the guy a chance, man. Let's see. Let's see what happens.
1: Yeah back uh, back to game yeah, games real quick um have mm-hmm. you seen the whole epic game store sale and no peop- uh-uh. so epic is you know basically doing a steam sale um but they're doing it in an interesting way where any game over um well they have percentage discounts as well but any game over 10, over 15 bucks they're giving $10 off um, and these wow. are out of the this is out of the pocket of Epic they're trying to bring people in there you know putting this money in so people can buy but developers aren't liking the way they're doing it so there are developers that are actually pulling their games out of the sale so that they can't be wow. bought for cheap on Epic um, because they don't like the way they're doing this Because and it's odd because the developers are getting paid the full price mm-hmm. and
2: this
1: is out of Uh, Epic Games Pocket. So I don't... I don't really know a lot about this. I haven't read a whole lot. This is an article from yesterday and it's still going on. Um, But I I don't know. It's... It seems odd.
0: Um, Do you see anything on this on any of this right now that is interesting you that you would want to pick up or check out or I have you looked, looked into it at all I didn't know they had yeah. a sale
1: because yeah. I don't I only go on Epic when I have to when there's an exclusive yeah. at this point and I've played one game I bought on Epic I haven't even played the other ones yet so I even stopped looking at the exclusives for now um, yeah because let's see what if I Oh, I need an update to Epic so we'll see
0: i've i've i keep seeing and well i keep hearing uh my outlets talk about the epic store here and there and i hear the news that pops up and goes down but i i i just don't know i would have to look at the exclusives and see if any exclusives really stick out to me enough to want to go into this store but i have enough games on steam as it is with more in my wish list, on top of everything else that I already own, on top of my backlog, I just don't know if I have a need for
1: another store. <laughs> so yeah.
0: I, I, I'm I'm slightly in the dark about all this.
1: I mean, I don't I don't have a huge issue with the Epic Store in general. It's just if it's on Steam, I'm going to get there because that's where the uh, my library is right now. Yeah, but I. Like I just said, I have no problem going over and buying games that are exclusive if I want to play them. <laughs> um, yeah. So, It's it's just something interesting, and maybe the developers will choose to put their games back. I, I don't know. It, it seems like a really odd situation and makes me think, well, how does Steam work with their sales in comparison to other things? Because so you can buy it on Amazon but you can buy it on steam a steam sale for cheaper you know mm. okay is that a big deal I mean is that not kind of the equivalent if you will it's just not a direct um, there's probably a different chain when it comes to the money and that the money flow but I mean what's I I guess the easiest way to put it is I don't yet understand what the big deal is
0: yeah yeah me either. So sorry. What are, you know what? I should I should have looked this up while you were talking. What um, are some epic games that stick out to mind as exclusives or must-haves?
1: Um so the one I bought that I haven't played yet was uh uh The Metro, the new Metro game. Uh yeah. And then this one doesn't directly impact me. Uh, Anno 1800, I pre-ordered it on Steam before it was pulled. So I have it on mm-hmm. Steam. I don't have to worry about that. But that's another pretty high bit, high visibility game that is now exclusive to Epic. And these, these exclusives are typically only for a year type thing. Yeah. Or maybe even yeah. six months in some cases. So it's not a huge deal. Um, let's see, Beyond Two Souls... Uh,
0: Satisfactory there's one
1: yes that's actually I did play that through there that's right uh, Borderlands 3 is going to be exclusive yeah that's a pretty yep. so big so there's deal an in.
0: obvious one yeah yep. I'll probably Super Meat that. Boy Forever The Division 2 Unreal Tournament well Division 2
1: is only sort of because you can just buy that through Ubisoft yeah so Ubisoft games are kind of meh when you look at it like that yeah
0: yeah, and there's a Hades game in here that I've heard uh, Matt yeah. uh, actually, uh, Pat and Woolly talk about. So
1: I, I watched yeah. Co Carnage play Hades, and it looks fun. It just seems uh, it, it's still an early access, yeah, I believe. Me,
0: tell me your take on this game because you you'll be another person that have talked about this. I'd like to know your thoughts on it.
1: I I really like how this is. So it's a roguelike dungeon crawler. It's you know at its core what it is. But there are things that carry over between runs um, and whatnot. So even though, you know, you're going to have to start over when you die, um, you have things that continue over, power-ups you can keep to carry over. But also, as you're playing through, there are so many different routes you can take. Like at the start, you choose a weapon, uh, which weapon route you're going to take. And there are like seven, six or seven different weapons options right now I think uh, including the shield uh, and the power-ups you get along the way kind of determine whether you're going to be a ranged attacker whether you are going to be melee whether you're going to focus on crits or focus on damage much like any other real stat-based game whether it be RPG or you know otherwise Am I going to do a crit build? Am I going to do a normal build? Am I going to do range, melee, etc.? Um, so it's got a lot of flexibility to it that gives it a lot of replayability. Um, I'm, I am I kind of have it you know, on my list of games to keep an eye on as it progresses. Because once they finish fleshing it out, because I think there are like three mega bosses at this point, um, and then you're done. Uh, maybe they added the fourth by now. I, I haven't been keeping that close of an eye on it. But... Hey, it's gonna it looks like it's gonna be good. And good. worth looking I at I will as
0: well I will as well keep this on a to checkout list. Uh I tell you one other news article that definitely got my interest. Uh this was definitely good for me because I should have already bought these as it is. But it's nice to know that they're coming to something else. Uh, Apparently, uh, PS3 slash 4 Exclusives, Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and Detroit are getting PC releases. Um, That is very cool. If this GameSpot news article is to be believed, these are all getting release dates for the PC. So um heavy rain will debut first on june 24th for 20 bucks uh beyond two souls will follow in july 22nd for 20 and detroit become human will come uh, sometime in fall 2019 for 40 dollars that's uh that's pretty interesting and when i see that i say okay i will probably i may at least pick up uh detroit for myself but you didn't i don't see the i don't see the headline stating bloodborne is coming to pc that upsets me (laughs) it's good to see that uh ps4 is getting something uh or that some of these games but I, i oh man i need i really need to have bloodborne come to PC. And now people have asked me, I've had this question posed before. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. where did you first play Dark Souls? I first played Dark Souls on the Xbox 360. And I have eventually moved to uh, PC. And I I don't really have a straight solid answer. Maybe for mod ability or something along those lines. Maybe just because I want to see the game potentially run at 60 frames per second. But even that, man, I don't care. I'll play I'll play Bloodborne in any frame you give me. I don't care. Yeah, uh, It's mainly for ease of access. The fact that I have so many other games on PC and I'm I uh, there's, there's a bigger there's a bigger story to this when I just say I want Bloodborne to PC. I'd like a lot of games to start coming to PC. I'd like the exclusivity wall to fucking disappear. But I don't, yeah. I just don't I don't see that happening. It's it's never happened. that it. We used to have the glory days back in the Genesis and Super Nintendo era where you would see a game released and you would see a picture of all the game cartridges and all the game art boxes and it would be the same game for the Genesis and the Super Nintendo and the Game Gear and the Game Boy and just I, I miss days like that. I mean, to but, be
1: fair, there were exclusives back then too, but true and also to be fair there's a lot of cooperation going on these days things are changing yeah. for the better still so I know yeah. there there will likely always be exclusives but um, if <laughs> the day we have true cross-play between all three big uh, consoles that'll be it for me
0: yep yep
1: and I uh,
0: there there's so much cooperation talk in our episode today but i i do get that you know competition breeds etc and all that but it would just be nice to know that this game is coming out and the question is what would you like to play it on you know you who are who are giving us your money and i, I well if i could play it on the pc i'd like to well here you go uh I've played through Bloodborne I think a total of four times, maybe even five, I'm not sure. And if I w- if I if I felt the need to go play it again, I have no problem booting up my PS4, slapping it in and going going to town. But if I could have it on my PC, not only for the mod ability, but just for the convenience because everything else is on there, it would be nice. It would be nice to see what update a PC release of Bloodborne would get. Um so yeah, cool for the Quantic Dream people. People are getting their uh their games to PC, and that's awesome. Uh Real so quick, as I'm, when we were going go
1: over the epic game exclusives, did you mention Outer Worlds?
0: I did not. No. So I didn't.
1: The Outer Worlds is the is Obsidian Entertainment's uh next game, and this is the one that's when they showed the trailer and what information has been gleaned from it, it's like, okay, is this Fallout's replacement? (laughs) Because, you Mm -hmm. know, Fallout is or has been one of the first-person open-world type, you know, RPGs. Well, The Outer Worlds is a similar game, and it could very well, depending how it is and whether or not it's going to be a franchise or this is a one-off, but... It could take Fallout's mantle, especially after Fallout 76. Yep, yep. But that's also an epic exclusive right now.
2: hmm
0: So, as I'm looking out the landscape and digging in my mind, uh, yeah, I don't I can't really think of anything that, that uh, stood out to me this week in news. I'm sure there is something, as there always is. Uh, I... I was hesitant to bring this stuff up because I really don't like the idea of our audience thinking that we just get our shit from other podcasts. But uh, Pat and Woolley did bring up some interesting stuff talking about the Final Fantasy remake. And oh <laughs> I was. Yeah. So a lot of people. This is just something to think about because I I feel that I as well have not wrapped my head completely around all the aspects of this remake and wondering now, where they're going to go, what they're going to do. Go before, ahead.
1: Before before you jump into it too much, I will say that I had not planned on talking about it this week or at all again until we saw E three or around okay. E three, whatever the time frame is. And that's there were some questions I didn't ask last time we uh, we talked a little bit uh, off podcast the other day about it, and I got sidetracked and never got a chance to tell you then, but. I was like, yeah, I didn't, oh, yeah. I, I didn't ask those questions because I'm just gonna wait for E3, and then hopefully have more answers and then go from there, because um, we have so much yet so little at this point.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. We will we will definitely talk more, probably probably a whole episode topic about it whenever we see the next bit of whatever they're revealing. But this was more just a a little something to keep in your mind and think about. And just something interesting they brought up and I thought it was, it definitely had me thinking, but, uh, so don't worry, we're not going to spend 20 minutes on this. Uh, so a lot of people are questioning about stuff like, well, how are they in this, uh, man, this is definitely prevalent today in this age. Uh, how are they going to handle the scene where, you know, Cloud is supposed to dress up as a woman and, you know, go get shit handled Mm -hmm. and, it's like, well, there's a lot more questionable, like, how are they going to handle this situation shit in Final Fantasy VII than Cloud putting on a dress. And Pat brought up the scene, Chris, do you remember when they were in uh, Midgar Midgar and uh, Nanaki was in that fucking tube with Aerith? You remember why they were in that tube together? And what the fuck Hojo was trying to get Nanaki to do? Mm-hmm. And it's like, how are they going to handle that? <laughs> are we going to see that in this remake? Like, how are they going to handle shit like that? It's going to be very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see exactly how... I can't, Dude, people are going to have channels started off of the Final Fantasy VII remake. Because... You're going to have so many people that that are going to scene by scene, line by line, analyze Final Fantasy VII original on the PlayStation, Final Fantasy VII remake. It's going to be very mm-hmm. interesting to see exactly how much they do copy paste.
1: Yeah, one of the it's other gonna, scenes c- that, and I think I mentioned this before, but um, there's a scene where Barrett asks someone if they're retarded or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of stuff, man. There's a lot of, uh, out there stuff that was acceptable or not, what have you, back in 1997. That this is, this is far down the road, folks. The world has changed, the social norms have changed. And I mean, in general, you put a fucking, uh, Uh, wolf type thing in a room with a woman and go hey we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make something happen here it's like whoa Whoa, dude uh just something to consider just something to consider uh yeah that's all the news that's all the news I could think of so in that vein I guess we can roll into weeks and for reasons, I'll start my week off. Yep, I'm going to spit um, my face while you talk. Yeah, good. Th- thank you. <laughs> thank you, because I know I know, there's somebody out there who listens to this religiously, and they go, wait, 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 wait. That's Chris's turn. What are you doing? Yep. <laughs> thanks for thanks for doing that. So, uh, non-gaming related. Oh, I really should have kept these out. God, I've got to go through them fucking line by line. Uh, I only watched a couple movies um Wind River was one that's got uh, the, the the character who played a uh, Hawkeye in uh, the Avengers movies it was uh, he's a hunter tracker and he helps the lady solve a murder mystery in I'm, I'm thinking Alaska or somewhere way up north a place where I would not uh, be a part of. And it was a pretty good movie. Uh, I don't know if I talked about this movie during uh, the episode after I got home from my last uh, work trip, but I do want to now, just in case. Uh, The movie's called The Standoff at Sparrow Creek. Uh, Full disclosure, this movie I got as a recommendation, as I do many movie recommendations from a wonderful, awesome... uh, uh, podcast that's based off a YouTube channel. So if anybody out there is interested, go check out a YouTube channel called Cinema Sins. Uh, basically, what they do is they go through various movies and they break it down. They basically poke holes and all the bullshit that the movie tries to play for you. Um, it's super analytical, pointing out the flaws and and the loopholes and the plot holes in the movies, but it's not. It's not really meant to. It's not played in a super serious tone. It's just them going to the movies and pointing out the pointing out the mistakes basically. So these guys have a podcast called Cinema Sins, and I found out after listening to this to these guys for a long time that apparently they've pretty much all worked in the movie industry, and I mean as far as the theater aspect, the theater side. Uh, I think one of them. Uh, uh worked at a i think he's retired like he worked at a movie theater for like 20 30 something years and they all have all sorts of stories they have specific episodes where they talk about stories from their theater work days and all that and uh fairly knowledgeable in the movie scene period they definitely have a lot to say a lot about a lot of movies i mean they're essentially like me and chris but for movies um, great guys, awesome, awesome podcast, and they have all sorts of episodes where they recommend stuff. And this was recommended, and I was just making a list one day as I normally do when I listen to Cinema Sins, and I I jotted this movie down and red boxed it, and it's it was very good, surprisingly good. It is a very dark, uh, dark lit uh, directed film, and. <sighs> as spoiler-free as I can keep it. So basically, what happens at the beginning of the movie is that a uh, either either a police officer or a bunch of police officers are gunned down. And uh, they use a, a specific weapon, like a, they use some kind of machine gun, and they use these specific bullets. And the movie starts out with these local militia, gathering together they're all coming into their to their militias uh not hideout but their their militia house so to speak it's basically a freaking garage that they that they do all their business out of they have all the weapons and ammunition armor all that shit there and um so they're talking and they're trying to figure out like like this is this is right after this shit happened and they're they're meeting up and they're all trying to figure out what they're gonna do um they're like look Some somebody has shot up a bunch of cops, and they've used weapons that are like ours. They've used bullets like ours. They're gonna come beating on our door. We need to either, either get our shit together and be ready for a fight, or we need to go. We need to figure out what we're going to tell them to stave them off because they're gonna come for us. And they go to start grab their gun, grab their guns and uh, ammunition, and they find that one of the guns are missing, and they're like. Uh, where's this gun? Like, I don't know. We did inventory yesterday. It was here. And like, well, it's not here now. And I'm like, well, one of y'all did this. And everybody's like, well, I didn't fucking do it. And that's where I'll stop explaining the story. It's it's very interesting. Uh, a lot of good character. A lot of good acting. Uh, just a good random movie I've never thought to check out. Never even heard of. And I watched it. And had a good time all the way through. Uh, what sucked for me is that I was I had to watch this movie in two parts because uh, work. I was watching it in my hotel room and had to stop the movie with like twenty minutes left at a very crucial scene, and had to wait basically another day and a half and finally finished it. It was uh, it's pretty intense having to wait that long. Uh. I feel like there's another movie that I want to talk about. Sorry to bother you. I did watch that, but it got way too out there and I kind of understood the message it was going for, but it didn't, didn't really appeal to me. Uh, I really had these movies off to the side. Uh, I think, I think I mentioned that I watched glass and it was pretty good, but that was, uh, that was back then. That was back when I was on my trip. So I don't want to, don't want to go through that one again. Uh, I started to watch Bumblebee. I made it about five minutes in and said, "Nah, I nope." Still the same Michael Bay shit. Can't, can't, can't deal with it. Uh, so I left that one alone. Uh, Aquaman, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it for the movies. Um, so games. There are 3 separate games that I'm working on right now. I will talk about I'll talk about Sekiro first. So, I'm playing through Sekiro still. I have made it uh j- j- potential uh well no, I forget Chris hasn't played it. I have made it to people will know what I'm talking about hopefully by the area. So, I had to go back into uh Mashima Castle. I believe that's the name of the castle. And you know, as the audience will know, I had to go the long way around and got up there to the top of the pagoda and fought that person at the top of the pagoda. And uh, yeah, he kicked my ass for a, for a couple days. And I mean, it's every boss kicks my ass. It's, there have been a few that I've one to two shotted, but this was another one that I was having some trouble with, and that's fine. Nobody's ever given me trouble like meat from Dark Souls 1. Yeah, that's that still holds a record. I was on him for a week and a half by myself and still have I still never beat him. But yeah, I I when I got frustrated with him, I'd stopped and go played one of these other two games and um I finally beat him uh day before yesterday or yesterday, I forget, and went into the next area, and I'm I am now fighting a I fought a version of this boss already in another area the one that I'm on now. Uh people will know what I'm talking about when you um I turned in all the proper ingredients to uh the person that I had to and got transported to a new area and yeah, it's the first boss you encounter in this area, which I have fought a version of this already. The difference is now is the status effect is not on that enemy, and um, I, oh, uh, the enemy has one more life bar, one more life circle thing. So uh, He is a pain in the ass to fight. It seems to take a long time to fight this guy, but as with any other boss, I'll keep dying and keep figuring out his patterns of trying things out. Um, and I'll get past it. I will beat this entire game eventually, but that's not that's not necessarily where I want to center my discussion or my, my rant about uh, Sekiro. I really want to be open and honest about this um, because that's partially one of the reasons why I do my podcast, period, or do this podcast, period, because it's is like a diary for me. And I realize this is probably going to come off as an unpopular opinion. But when I'm thinking back onto all these From Software games, I'm only speaking out of honesty. This is not a bashing, it's just me telling you how I feel about it. Uh, I am not as drawn into or as enthralled with this game as I have been with other From Software games. And I'm really trying to analyze why. I just don't know if i have a good enough set of answers or reasons yet dark souls 1 is still my top is still my premier even though bloodborne is objectively combat wise a better game uh i still prefer dark souls dark souls 1 won out to be on my uh top 15 of all time uh a lot of that's for nostalgia. I'll grant you that. A lot of that's because I played through Dark Souls 1 like 9, 10, 11 separate times. And I'm still enjoying it as opposed to Bloodborne that I played through 4, maybe even 5 times. Um, I'm really having a hard time putting a finger on why this game is not just just blowing my mind away. And it could be... There are a multitude of reasons, but all the reasons I'm coming up with seem to have an answer so it's 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 getting me conflicted um for just for for starters i am i am enjoying the game I am going through it, and when i get when I pass a boss and I get to explore a new area, I do enjoy that. When I get to a boss and that boss kicks my ass and I die 5, 10, 15, 20 times, I am used to that. So that does not bother me. But when I do beat that boss, I still have that triumphant yes and I move forward. Um, especially now, I think one of the reasons, especially now, in comparison to when I first started uh, Sekiro, is that... I feel like the difficulty curve at the beginning of the game, and I'm saying like the first two or three bosses, was really bad for me. But it's not just the difficulty. I just wasn't playing the game right. I didn't un I I didn't unlock the code. You know, I didn't have the formula right. I didn't have the combination correct. So the game to me felt like it was more difficult than it actually was. Then once I figured out what I was doing wrong and was able to play the game correctly, and especially with the lag not being an issue anymore, um, while I have not stepped my way through this game, while I have not just bull walked through this game, I I feel like I'm not having as difficult as a time as I did with other games, with the other with other From Software games. Now. I don't just play these games for the difficulty. The difficulty has become the meme of the From Software games, but I don't I don't use this as a backbone for difficulty. I don't use this as a trump card for a conversation and go, oh, you played this game, and you thought it was hard. Huh. I played Dark Souls. Like I'm not that's that nothing about that is in my character at all. But I feel like either the difficulty or or the formula of the game, something else in Dark Souls 1, and then again in Bloodborne, specifically, because the other games had it too, but those two specifically, something in those games had fulfillment for me. It had dry it generated drive for me as I was playing those games. I kept going through and was excited and happy and joyful. I can't figure out what it is about Sekiro that is making me just kind of, I'm not, I want to say almost like ho-hum. I'm doing the motions in Sekiro. I'm not blazing through with a smile on my face. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm go through area, fight, kill boss, go through area, fight, kill boss, go through area, fight, kill mini boss, go forward, fight, kill boss. And I just don't know. I'm so conflicted because I don't understand. uh, I can hear Adam right now. Oh, you don't have to love every game you play. And I know (laughs) I agree that I agree. You don't. You don't. And just because Sekiro is a from software game does not automatically mean it's supposed to go up on my wall or something like that. I get that, too. But. And there's so much about this game that I should love. Like, it has a a Japanese setting, a Japanese fantasy setting, and that is right up my alley. But the story is almost taking a backseat, honestly. I don't, like, I get where the story is going, and I am interested to see how this is going to play out, but I'm not rolling into every new cutscene and every new boss and going, what's going to happen next? But that's not saying a lot, because when I played Bloodborne and Dark Souls, I wasn't I wasn't all about the story then either hell the first time when I played through Dark Souls I almost kept forgetting all the story because I spent so much time at a boss that I forgot what the fuck I was there for and then when a (laughs) cutscene happened I was like oh so I rung when I rung the first bell I was like wait wait why am I ringing bells again because it had been so long since I had been back there talking to the guy that Mm -hmm. I just I just forgot And even then, even then, even with me having played Dark Souls multiple times and stomping that game multiple times, not only one, do I still only have a, a grasp of the concepts of the story, that game is written to be vague. So a lot of it is inferred knowledge or infer it's 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 perception it's how you think the story like what do you think they meant by this how do you think they they acted this uh when this was presented to them right sekiro seems like It was made in a way where the company heard everybody's cries about how the story in Bloodborne and the story in the Dark Souls games and all that was so vague. This game is almost presented to you. Like when you run to an NPC, they're like, hey, you need to go up there. It's up that path and you need to find this item and then you go up the path and kill the boss and get the item they go hey you should take this item to this person they need it to do this thing they're over there you know it's and that's good i get it people wanted people really wanted that story but that it's always taken a bit of a side seat to me so i'm i'm not the spoon feeding of the story I'm neither condoning nor condemning. I just I don't know if that's another factor in my meh with the game. Mm. Uh the bosses, I mean it's it's hit or miss. I have had at least 3 or 4 bosses that I have one-shotted. And I'm not saying that to put a feather in my cap. I'm not saying that to put myself above other gamers. I'm just saying I have walked into an area and went, oh, shit, shit. I don't know. Ugh, I've, I've already used like two of my of my five uh, uh, healing gourds. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And then about five to ten minutes later, I beat it and go, oh, no, that wasn't so bad. You know, and stacking that up against where i was at the beginning of the game where i couldn't get past the fucking ogre fight you know it's it's so night and day but that's because again back then i hadn't unlocked it i hadn't had the the the, the, the gears hadn't came into place now the gears are in place now um and i feel like i'm going through this game now at a at a pretty brisk pace also uh and there's again i know people can point back to bloodborne and dark souls and go yeah that shit happens in this game too man so i don't know why this game is specifically irking me but i remember telling you chris that once you fight the first boss and you get like your first actual power up Mm -hmm. and then you get your first gourd seed where you can have more gourds maybe it just feels this way to me because i am now so far in this game chris but this game gives you power-ups all over the place. You get power-up to your attack, you get power-ups where you can swig more uh you can swig more gourds. Uh you get abilities to where you get more healing from when you do use a gourd. And we're not even talking about the fucking the all all the uh equipment you can get, all the upgrades, all the stuff. Like this game gives you a lot. And I am. I've actually. So I had this question asked to me by a coworker a couple days ago. Like, have you had. Have you used this ability yet? And I'm like, look, man, I. I don't remember all the bosses and the abilities by name. Mm-hmm. Like, I. I just. I just don't. It's nothing personal. But this game hasn't solidified itself. Like, I know what. I know Ornstein and Smo. You know, I know. Um. Um like ceaseless discharge like I know these boss names from Dark Souls because I played it multiple times and that ingrained into me this is my first playthrough with Sekiro not gonna happen but he was also bringing up um he was bringing up abilities that you can unlock and I was like nope I don't remember the abilities either and he's like well you can use this against this boss and you can I was like well first you gotta stop that because I don't I don't I don't want to know that like I want to figure this shit out on my own but also, like I'm telling him with these bosses that I fought, and he's like, "And you didn't use this ability?" And I go, "No." He's like, "Wow, that makes the fight easier." I'm like, "It may have, but the fight was so easy, I didn't need to use them." You know what I mean? And that's kind of a, that's kind of a like pullback for me, you know, where in Bloodborne and in Souls. You, the idea is you can make characters the way you want to. The idea is to do class builds. You know, you can take the stats of the characters, of your character, and manipulate them to make types of characters better. Sekiro, you are the character. Right. And you just, you just upgrade up the tree. It's that simple. You get more abilities. You get more maneuvers. You get more items, more, uh, uh, machines more prosthetics so your character gets better but so that's another thing i don't know if if the fact that i am just making this character better as opposed to playing the souls games and then making my characters the way i want to is a problem i honestly don't know Hmm. so where i stand right now i just out of and saying (laughs) that is enough Saying that is enough for me as a person. I'm gonna beat Sekiro, but at this point it's gonna be out of principle. I don't know if I'm gonna go back through the game on a new game plus setting. Uh I don't know I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. What I do know is that right now, if I had beaten this game and you were to ask me hey i want you to play one from from software game right now i'd probably go back and play bloodborne or dark souls immediately um and it's uh, it, uh, i don't know i'm so conflicted man i yeah. feel so i feel so bad but i shouldn't because who the fuck cares but i respect this game Mm-hmm. I see the work that's put into it. I see the battle mechanics. I see the graphics. I see the combat. I see everything that this game is offering to me. And I put it below those two games as far as how much I care about it. Yeah. So
1: And I haven't gone back to the game, but kind of a big turnoff for me was, you know, the lack of a real leveling system like this Souls game have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then losing your money type things. There's a lot of smaller things as well as big things to me, like the stat system or the level system rather um, that kind of add up too. And it's like, well, yeah. the quality of life of the game itself could be better. Um, you know, mechanics aside, you know, sure. I, I understand the concept behind the uh, stamina system or What's the staggering system, that's what I meant to say. Uh, I yeah, understand the yeah. concept behind that. And even in play, it makes sense, you know, to a certain extent. But it also feels a bit more tedious to me yeah. than a normal just stamina health system. Um, yeah. Not having stamina as a character and just being able to swing as you know fast as your character is able to. Mm. I like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. The ability to run around and not have to worry about a bar charging up mm-hmm. or be in a battle and know that you can block forever if you want to. But I wonder if that's, if that ease and that comfort is making it a worse experience. I don't know. I feel like it, I feel like it, it is obviously a different experience. Mm-hmm. But worse, you know, I don't want to complain about it because, again, yeah, running from point A to point B and just, you know, mobility in general. You know, when you want to get around and aboard, having your prosthetic and being able to just just zip across points oh, yeah. is awesome. As opposed to run, 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 run out of stamina, walk for a while, run, run, run you know, repeat that. So I I don't know. Um yeah. I the game is still difficult. Do not misunderstand. You could put this in I I say this respectfully. You could put this in a casual player's hands and I feel like they would have a rough to a hard time, but mm-hmm. it's it's doable. I mean, it's it's very doable and <sighs> I just, I just, I don't know where I stand on it, man. Maybe I'll have a better idea once I finish the game, but I don't believe that because what else does the game have to give me now Chris <laughs> yeah. it has it has like five more bosses and guess what Chris I'm, I can call it those bosses probably have multiple phases and guess what Chris I can call it it's the the first phase I'm gonna have to have these three techniques to counter these three moves the second phase I'm gonna have to have these four techniques to counter these four moves and fi- I already know what I'm getting. You know, And I don't know why this one is so different. I don't know why when I played through Bloodborne, I was, hell yeah, and not just another boss is coming at me, dodge, do this. I, I don't know. I don't know why this one is so specifically different and not as appealing as those two. The last thing I can say that maybe maybe it is and this kind of scares me if it is because I don't know what this te- says about me as a player as a person but maybe Chris it is because I have played through Demon Souls and, Souls and Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3 oh and all those DLCs and Bloodborne and all of Bloodborne's DLCs and maybe I'm looking at this and going I've already done all this Maybe because when I played Dark Souls 1 back in the day, that shit was new to me. The concept of the combat was new to me. And having that getting my shit kicked in and not understanding what the fuck is going on if I'm doing wrong or if the game is just that stupidly hard. And then figuring out what to do and then having a much better time. I don't know if because I've already been there and done that that this is not appealing to me. I don't know. It's hard to say that that would be the answer, Chris, because I play Mega Man games, and <laughs> yeah. those are my those are my pick. I I would play another another Mega Man game right the fuck now, and I, I can go for that game beat for beat. You're gonna fight eight bosses. You're gonna fight one and have that as a weakness to use for the. I just played through Mega Man Eleven and had a great time with it and that was the same thing except for having a uh, the the overdrive system but i just i just don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know if it's going to take another release of another of, of another from software game for me to solidify it but as of right now as of where i am in the game as as i just said earlier where i am and what i have left all i can say is that i am not f- i i do and i'm enjoying it i'm having a good time with it in some of the moments but i am not going to put this game up in that pedestal of the bloodborne and dark souls one tier sure um
1: and is that as bad as it is to maybe say this is that a bad thing i mean yeah it's not intended yeah. to be a souls game it's souls like sure it has some principles yeah. behind it but it from the start, I believe it was like, yeah, this is not a soul's game. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I asked that. And that's what I was saying earlier. I don't know if it even matters. Like I don't have to, you know, okay, here, here here's an example. Let's say persona six comes out, Chris. Mm-hmm. And let's say that they have changed so much stuff in there. It's a mass effect two for me. And I don't like it. I, I turn away from it. Mm-hmm. That's not going to take away from persona five has nothing at all to do with the way I feel about persona 5. It's going to it's going to be that my ambitions weren't met, that my expectations weren't met, that the things that I look forward to I didn't get or the things that I were hoping for got changed. But I don't have to love persona 6 if they change it into I don't oh I don't know a first person shooter with real life graphics, you know. <laughs> I don't ha well, it's Persona 6 though. You you and Chris spoke hours about your love for Persona 5, so you should love no, you don't you don't have to. I support from software. I still love from software. There are memories in me that cannot be diminished because of anything at all. But this game does not have that same ump for me as mm-hmm. the other games did. And yeah. I don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to. It can still be just a good game. Sure. You know, if I, if I go all the way through this game and play through it and then beat it and then never go back to it again, Chris, there are hundreds of video games in my life that have that same, same thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So that's fine. I guess I'm just so conflicted because... This was something that was revealed, you know, years ago, and it was a new From Software game, and there was all that uh-huh. hype, us included, of, what is the deal with that arm and that string, and what are we, and oh, it was a From Software game, and oh man, we can't wait, and then we finally got it, and we goes, oh, this is different, <laughs> and, yeah, uh... Yeah. I think I've spoken up today on Sekiro well it's that's gonna be my report until I beat it I went I've going through unless something unless something either story wise or mechanic wise or whatnot comes along that just shakes me and makes me go <gasps> then it's gonna be yep I played through beat beat six more bosses I beat the final boss of the game I got an ending and I'm done so we'll, we'll see um the middle game that i'm still working on and this is going to be really quick is still the agelos game uh it's on steam it's a metroidvania ish uh action ish type of game side scrolling sort of 8-bit graphics and i'm making my way through it uh and that's really all i can say about it i'm i feel like i'm toward close to the end of the game uh there's an object there's there are cities that you have to go through i'm either half i'm either two-thirds or close to the end of the game i'm not sure but uh definitely played that a little less than i played uh these other two games this week uh last game so you know listen to our last episode where i harped on for like six hours about me going through this struggle with um Um, my backlog but i'm really meant i'm mentally gearing myself to do that chris and i'm starting to do it now where it's i want to play something that i've never played at all or something that i know damn well i've never beaten and should have yeah uh tales of destiny had come to my mind yesterday actually that that is a prime example (laughs) because i have played through tales of destiny chris not once but twice and both the, the first time back in, oh, I don't know, two decades ago when I was in high school, yeah. I didn't finish it because I got to a part in the game that was super difficult. I could not figure out the puzzle of a castle and had quit the game and then had to give the game back. This time, I was playing through the game again, and I got sidetracked by another game. So, I like Tales of Destiny. It's a good game. It has a mm-hmm. lot of challenging and still good puzzles. I need to play through that game i need to finish it i owe it to that game to finish that game but that's just one example of a game that i have played and i know i need to finish but there are tons of games that i have never played and do need to play right um uh before i get into the super nintendo game i was playing i did go through uh uh, uh bucky o'hare for the nintendo and i i have gotten all the way to the final boss of that game and it becomes a shmup and becomes super fucking difficult. <laughs> and I have left that B be okay. because I have already been through that shit in my life. And I'm not, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need a, 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 ultra hard Nintendo difficult game to, uh, a, as a trophy. Um, I'm pretty sure I could, I could beat that guy, but I, it's, that was a bit much. um, the game that I have been playing and have put uh, quite a few hours into is a Super Nintendo game called Soul Blazer this is a somewhat important game uh, because it is the first of a loosely related slash loosely based trilogy Uh, the third in that trilogy being Terranigma Terranigma is a action RPG that uh, again released on the Super Nintendo and it this game came out of the woodwork years ago. It was supposed to be some... I don't... I. I've Audience, I'm so sorry. I meant to look up the facts of this game, but I didn't. But my loose understanding is this game is like an unheard of gem. I don't know if Terra Enigma was only released in Japan or if it was just released over here and nobody fucking heard about it. But apparently this game is an extremely good... Uh, uh, hidden gem in the Super Nintendo library, and I am work. I'm going to work my way up to Terra Enigma to see what all the hype is about that. Uh, but there were two games that essentially preceded uh, Terra Enigma and the first one of those is Soul Blazer, and I've been working on that for a few nights now, uh, and it's 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 very interesting. Uh, it's So the way the game works is, uh, oh, a cool thing about this one is it was, uh, it is a Enix game, and I completely forgot that uh, Enix is also (laughs) the company that did um, uh, Actraiser, Actraiser 1, I don't know if Enix did Actraiser 2, I'm clicking their name now to find out, but I say this as an importance because when you start playing Soul Blazer, if you have played Act uh, Actraiser, especially as many times as I have, you will notice a lot of sound effects that sound that are the same. Like, they are the same sound effects from that game. So, um,
1: so it's not just that they were both, they were published by Enix. Enix was the publisher. But they mm-hmm. were developed by Quintet. Um, yeah. they were both developed by Quintet so yeah. under Enix. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So the gameplay in this game uh Soul Blazer is very interesting. Uh So it's it it's, it's top down and your character has a sword and swings a sword and has a magic th- ...thing that floats around you, and you can hit a button to make that magic pop out. It could be fire, it could be ice, it could be lightning, uh, what have you. So it is a top-down view, uh, action-ish game. And you have a main overworld. This is kind of, kind of, sort of similar to Act Razor, kind of, sort of. But you have a main overworld, and then when you go into dungeons you fight enemies that spawn out of these specific points. When you kill enough enemies, that point stops producing enemies and becomes a button. You press the button and that switches back to the main world and changes something. It can, it, it'll, it it'll say like you released somebody. So there may have been somebody that was trapped because of this monster thing. And now they're released. Uh, you could press a button and maybe uh, a bridge forms across between two areas of land. You could press a button and maybe a shop comes back into view and you can actually go in that shop and buy items. Uh, um, you can have somebody come back and they will have a story progression key or something. Uh, very interesting how you go through a dungeon and you use the actions that you do in the dungeon to help recreate or or unlock areas in the main world. Slightly Metroidvania, but not exactly. Uh sure. it, it's, it's not side-scrolling platform shooting. It's top-down, sword-swinging, uh, kill the enemies, and then unlock stuff in the main world. I'm on, I think, the third area by now and I think there's six total so there is more gameplay for me and I'm I'm enjoying it Uh, this game is considerably old it's a Super Nintendo title so this one honestly uh, wasn't even in my backlog this was just a game that I heard about because I had heard so much about Terranigma that I figured I'd try this now now also before people shoot me in the face apparently these three games um i I'm trying to pull up the other ones so I can find out what the other two are uh there's there's Tear enigma is the last one soul blazer is the first and I want to say illusion of
1: Gaia is the is the middle one.
0: Oh, I really should have looked this up I honestly <laughs> should have uh, it was I'm made trying to by, look at
1: made by the same people and was between the games so possibly
0: yeah yeah um so the the reason why i'm what i was getting oh, yes, at is at least th-
1: i just yep. looked at the articles
0: <laughs> yep so soul blazer is the first one uh illusion of gaia is the second and then Enigma terra enigma is the third however yes i do know and have been told by multiple sources that these games are not sequels they are not directly related to each other mm-hmm. that apparently they all, they all kind of have little loose references to one another so no i'm not playing the i'm not playing the first because i want to get the story straight it's just because i also never played I never heard of Soul Blazer. I have heard of Illusion of Gaia, so I probably would have played that anyway. But if I'm going to play Terra Enigma, because I've heard, I want to see what the hype is about, and I want to play Illusion of Gaia because I've heard about that game back when I was a teenager and never played it, might as well go ahead and try Soul Blazer out too. If I didn't like it, guess what? I would have moved on. But it's actually caught my attention, so I'm moving through it. Um. So yeah, it's 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 very interesting. It's it's I, I like how it has. I like this gameplay. I like the idea of having a overworld as this, and the more you do, it unlocks, it changes, it opens up. It's 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 interesting. Not exactly the most difficult in the world. Uh, I've I've found items that increase you know all these attributes well no let me, let me i'm thinking of another game right now i haven't found like health ups and all that stuff i've really i think i think that the, what makes it not so difficult is that if you die you go back to your main main hub area and the gods tell you don't die again <laughs> so you just kind of gotta you, you gotta get back to where you were i think I want to say you do lose either gold or XP. I think just gold, but you do find an ability, or sorry, an item that's like an expendable, so to speak, that if you die you don't lose stuff. Uh I haven't lost anything that has made me, you know, throw my controller. So I mean, I haven't lost anything that made me like super like oh, like souls upset. And I'm trying to think if I have been to an area that has like something that where I need a lot of money and I lost it all cuz I died. I don't think there is. Uh, I said that there are places that will get op- that will get opened up like shops. I actually don't recall if I've opened up an actual shopkeeper's business yet. I think it's usually like a story thing. Like you you'll you will open up a shop but that shopkeeper says hey i sell this here and let me give you one of these because you're gonna need this and then you give that item to another person to progress forward i don't think there's like a strict actual item or weapon or armor shop but still doing things and unlocking areas it is interesting it's keeping me playing. It's keeping me going on. I will probably work on Illusion of Gaia after this and then uh Terra Enigma. However, at any point if I lose interest in any one of those three, I'm gonna stop playing and move on. Because while this is the year of backlogs for me, <laughs> as I'm trying to make it, I am not gonna force myself through a game just to just to do it. I want to try games out and see if they draw me in. Yeah, And I'm going tell you, with the hundreds of thousands of games in existence, as games last year and the year before have found out, if you don't catch my interest in, oh, I don't know, the first half an hour, I'm moving on. So, sorry. <laughs> yeah,
1: I took a look, and Terra Terranigma, the thing with it, is it was never officially released in North America, but there is a PAL version, so it was in Europe and Australia.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. That's the thing about that. It. It's, uh, I I just remember reading a lot about this and hearing people talk about it. Uh, it's, it's just, a, it's just an, it's a gem. It's supposed to be this game that a lot of people haven't played, but it's really, really good. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. I'll get there. For now, it's just Soul Blazer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,. Pfft. Uh, I will be catching up on Game of Thrones between now and Sunday. I'm not okay. saying that I'm going to I'm not saying that I'm going to watch the episode, the last episode as it's aired or anything. I'll probably watch it mm-hmm. after, but hopefully by this weekend, at least by next week, especially by next episode, I will be caught up on Game of Thrones the last season, so
1: That'll be, be an a interesting talk. conversation.
0: <laughs> yep. Be able to talk about it more then. So, yeah, I think that's it. I feel like some of the news thing happened for me, but it uh, must not be important. All right, Chris. <laughs> All
1: right. Tell me about the week of Chris. So, earlier I was talking about having to go downtown and that was because, you know, our nice DOD IDs, you know, with the pen and all that. Mine just randomly locked itself. And I had to go get it unlocked. So that's where all my traffic and all that. The other part of that story was I got there after deal dealing with the, you know, 20 minutes to find a parking spot. Um, and then I got to the office and there's a big close sign on it. And I thought it was just, you know, they were out to lunch. But then I looked, and it's one of those close things that's like, we'll be back at so-and-so time, and it was set to 8 o'clock or 8.30. I was like, wait, that's the opening time. And then I look at their hours posted below it on the door, and I'm like, oh, on Thursdays, they close at 12. I look at my phone to look at the time. It was 12.06. So I was literally six minutes too late because of my parking fiasco. So I ended up having to go again today. So that was a nightmare. So that
0: now I really see what you meant by "Yeah, fuck this parking shit."
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. So Game of Thrones, watched the last episode. Um, we have one more, one more, and it's all done. Um, yep. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> um,
0: but- I will. I will tell you now, just just so we are on the same level. I haven't had specific spoilers yet, but I feel like I've already had two things spoiled for me, at yeah. least. And, um... Yeah, the main... Th- I mean, I, it is a variable cacophony of the world. D- there's a fucking petition out there. This shit's so yep. bad. Apparently, everyone is disappointed severely by this season. There's a mm-hmm. petition out there to get... key here now not just the not just the season eight rewritten but to have new writers come in (laughs) and rewrite this season it's apparently that that disappointing to people and that it bugs me to know that already but hey 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 hold on folks i blame myself i don't Mm -hmm. follow game of thrones religiously and it's not it's not something I'm foaming at the mouth for, so I chose to wait this long, as I do with every season, so yeah. I, I actually, just know this. It's on me.
1: I actually watched it um, live this week because the spoilers have gotten so bad, and and I didn't want to avoid social media. I've talked about that mm-hmm. a little bit a couple times, but I've gradually progressed from watching it whenever I get to it on Monday to watching it sometime Sunday night to last week I watched it live. <laughs> so. Yeah um and then i could go on twitter without worrying and then i saw the outrage and was like okay fair enough um i there are, i do have a lot of issues with the episode um but it's kind of the theme of the season so mm-hmm. i'm like "Well, that's a little bit more disappointment um at least we only have one episode to be one more episode to be disappointed in i mean yeah that's a plus right <laughs> yep um there was a rumor going around that uh, the other two books in the series were written, and uh, old Martin was just waiting on the uh, the the TV show to end before he released it. But that was debunked apparently by him. So, yeah, um, whether or not you know there's any truth to it, or it's just as a whole, you know, whether or not he has like one book done and he's waiting or. However, you know, I don't expect to ever read them. I don't expect him to ever actually release them, so if he does, I'll be surprised. You know? Yeah. Setting my expectations pretty low when it comes to that.
0: Hey, if you want more, don't worry, there's a prequel supposedly getting made, so there you go. All right. <laughs> I was like, no, I, I really don't care that much
1: about it, so... And we'll see. We'll see what ends up being. Um, on the... So... I probably should mention this in news, but it's one of those things that you probably know if you have Twitch Prime. But So, Twitch Prime, sometime this week, uh, launched another one. of their little freebies they give out. And mm. it was a 30-day uh, premium subscription to Crunchyroll. Wow. So, I was like, okay, I'll go watch some high-def anime. Because um, mm-hmm. typically, I believe, and this is, I don't know... I think it varies by anime, but typically the standard is HD is locked behind premium and you can watch in standard def up to 720p, P I think, uh, mm-hmm. normally. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do that. So I was like, all right, well, let me go find something to watch now. Cause I don't want to waste my 30 days. Um, so Adam had previously mentioned the rising of the shield hero, mm-hmm. uh, guy gets sucked into a fantasy world. Um, a video game like and how the whole story is based on a lot of things uh, mm-hmm. and they even make reference you know this is not a game this is like a game you know this is like this game etc um, yeah and i'm not gonna spoil it like he does when he talks about these shows uh, <laughs> yeah i'm calling him out here and i'm gonna have a little <laughs> chat with him uh, um, i don't know when maybe this weekend as well but yeah, he blatantly spoiled some stuff. So I was oh like, oh, okay. I thought this was just a minor thing. No, this is a major plot point. Okay. Shame on you, Adam. Um, but I watched it. Uh, it was, it's kind of funny too, because I went to the thing and I was like, oh, 36 episodes. That's a pretty good amount to watch, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then I, a couple of days ago, I finished up and this was over the span of two days. I watched these episodes. Um, I finished up episode 19 and I'm like, okay, well, what's next? I hit the play button because I was trying to make it, you know, auto go, auto load the next episode and just started mm-hmm. playing the same one again. I was like, okay. So I scrolled down, I'm like, oh, there's only 19. The other part of the 36 are the dubs.
0: Uh, uh, uh that's lame, Come on. Now. I was like,
1: what? oh, okay. So there's 19 with subs and then the same episode or the first 18 again as dubs. So I was like, okay fair enough my bad i didn't you know pay that much attention but um so i got to watch the 19 episodes that are out there are some Mm. really cool mechanic things they do um like like i was saying it focuses around you know these people that are sucked in but the main character he is the shield hero out of the four heroes uh sword spear bow and shield Um, And the shield is who it focuses around, hence the name of the show, The Rising Mm -hmm. of the Shield Hero. Um, But it's a really awesome video Mm -hmm. game mechanic uh, for the shield where, as, you know, he gets experience, it levels up. That's pretty typical. However, whenever he defeats an enemy, he can, you know, kind of absorb some of its essence to unlock abilities. So... And the more powerful the thing you defeat, you know, the more things there are. And there are whole little sub-skill trees based around one particular concept or one particular thing. Like uh, the, uh, I don't want to say alchemy, probably more botany, uh, medicine-making type thing. There's a whole kind of sub-tree for that, I think. There are sub-trees around certain types of enemies. So it's it's a really awesome mechanic that I would actually like to see in a game. <laughs> Um, I, I know there's things that are probably similar that yeah. exist out there. Um, but just how well thought out and how many options there were on this it, it's like the path of exile thing I was talking about before. There's oh hundreds of little, you know, pips on the skill tree you can fill in. I feel like this is the same, but it's for one weapon. Instead of, you know, your character, this is just one weapon. And sure you couldn't switch from the shield, that's his weapon. But if there's a game where you had this any weapon, and the, the other heroes, it works the same way for them. Um, they just can't also can't switch from what they have. But if you had a character who could switch between these and kind of specialize in each one and carry skills over and do all these different things, that would be a lot of customization. Have a lot of um, different ways to play the game. You know, mm-hmm. um, really cool. Um, overall, the I feel like this series, this anime, has too much filler. Um, They have a lot of exposition to get out of the way, a lot of story to reveal and go through, and most of the filler makes sense, but there are still times when I'm like, okay, this is probably not ever going to be relevant again, and it's just to add a little bit of this or that to the story, you know, maybe get you a little bit more... Attached to a character. Or give a smidge more on their background. And it's... It's interesting. Um, but it feels a little slow at times. Like, the last episode... They're in the middle of a fight scene, right? At the very start, mm-hmm. they're just already in combat. And... There's almost no combat in the episode. Because they're sitting there talking. Mm-hmm. Which... It's, it's needed for the story. But the pacing is... And timing is off, if you will. Um, yeah. I'm gonna keep watching it. I, I like the concept and where they're going. Um, it's just, and it, that's not an unusual thing for anime either. I mean, look at Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> you know, 200 episodes of powering up before you actually get to the real fight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I, after finishing that. I was still in a TV mode, um, but I didn't, I was thinking um, that I need to check HBO to see if there's anything else I wanted to watch because I may cancel my HBO now or whatever it is, HBO Go subscription after Sunday. Um, So if there's anything I want to watch before my subwares out, I should probably uh, watch it. (laughs) And I was like, well, is Gotham on there? Because if Gotham's on there, I'm absolutely going to watch it. Um, before it out. Um, but it wasn't thankfully Gotham's on Netflix so I went to Netflix and I was like yeah it's there I confirmed just to make sure I wasn't overlooking it on HBO and I was like you know what I'm gonna watch some Gotham mm. so I've been much more restrained um, I'm very proud of myself um, watching season 2 I'm halfway through episode 5 I even stopped halfway through an episode that's how mm. strict I'm being on myself um, wow <laughs> uh, But Season 2, it kicks off immediately. There is no chill with Season 2. Season 1 was action-packed as is, you know. But Season 2, it's just non-stop. And things just keep going and escalating and going and progressing. And it's still so good. I will say, and I did not talk about this in Season 1 when I watched it. There is one minor but still very annoying thing that they did again in season two. And that is the head cam. Uh, basically the head cam where they're lo- you're looking at the person's face as they're moving through an environment. So like they're kind of wobbly, but then everything around them is just blurry and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know what to call that view, um, but it is, it's not reverse,
0: good. Reverse, reverse person view. There we go.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. That's, that, that's, is, that's
0: complete. R- scratch that from the record. That's completely that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even what that is. Reverse person view.
1: I mean, I get where you're going at with that, so it's not completely terrible. But anyway. But yeah, whatever that's no called, I'm, I'm not a fan. I don't like it. And I think in proper ways it can be used and it'd be fine. But I don't know if it's just that it was too close to them, too zimmed in on the face itself, or the movement was too awkward, um, or how they shifted to and from it. But it was, I do not like that. And they did it, well, they did it once. There was one sequence that they cut back and forth to it like three times. And each time they cut to it, I was like, stop it. Just <laughs> don't do it anymore. Um. But yeah, this season, awesome. Again. I can't wait to finish it.
0: Um, uh, that's what I was gonna get. I, I should. I know I was paying attention, but is season two of Gotham just started?
1: Oh no, no. This
0: is. Is it, is it all the way finished?
1: Let me. I actually look up and see what season they're on now. Um, they're not finished, but. I am. Oh my God, where'd it go in my menu? I have too many things on my Netflix to watch the list. It just keeps growing. <laughs> um, they More are first on, world
0: problems. That's exactly what we are.
1: Yeah. They are on season four. And it looks like season four is complete. So hmm. um, I'm not sure on the dates of that. I'd have to wiki that, and I don't want to possibly get spoiled on anything so I'm not going to look it up but there -hmm. there are at least four seasons Um, there are four seasons on Netflix whether or not there's more elsewhere like they sometimes do or a show on I think Gotham's Netflix only actually so if it's not Mm on Netflix it probably is still being recorded Um, but yeah so I'm I'm just going to continue watching it but I'm going to pace myself a little bit better this time (laughs) Um, (laughs) because Switching over to the games I stopped myself because of the game I'm playing I wanted to try to finish it last night as well but real quick as I get a sip of water um, last week I talked about the Lunar 2 comparison I didn't have the timing on it so I went back and counted up my hours I put 51 hours into the comparison to beat both games and a little bit of the epilogue for the Sega CD version. Um, mm-hmm. There's probably another couple hours of off-stream level grinding I did, um, but that's harder to account for. Not only because it's off-stream, but because I would do some as I was doing something else, and you know, get in a fight, fight it, and then sit there for a bit. So it wasn't all at once. Um, so I just want to throw that out there: fifty-one hours plus <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> to do the comparison. Um, which is yeah that was so much fun still Um, I finished up Super Mario World which last week I had I was at 10 and a half hours in uh, well let me start the lower so it was 8 hours to beat and I did that I got 72 exits when I beat it and then at 10 and a half hours I was at 89 exits
2: Hmm. so
1: my final time on the game is 12 and a half hours for all 96 exits. Wow. So I can say I did everything that Super Mario World had to offer. Um, those last exits, the last seven exits, <laughs> took me two hours to do. And wow. one of those was like 45 minutes. There's yeah, one of those, I rec-
2: Yeah.
1: It's like Tubular or something like that, I think is the mm-hmm. name of it. But it is... A very very difficult level Um, yeah but lots of fun I I enjoyed it Um, I felt very happy with uh, getting the 96 exits because it was a pretty good accomplishment in my mind Um, and I had fun the whole way through Um, even when I got stuck I was like okay well this is this is not unreasonable you know (laughs) This isn't even a Kaizo game, so yep. I, I've already subjected myself to higher levels of difficulty. So this was hard, but not terrible. Um,
0: yeah. And it's it's nice to know that uh, this is well, for you. It's nice to find out and now know that even today, Super Mario World still holds up for you. You know, because a lot of people oh, say absolutely- that. And it's good to know that people say that, but you, you've now played it now. You
2: go,
1: yeah, yeah, holds up. That is another point. I should have written that down because I was completely forgetting about it. I was actually going to talk about how, yeah, it completely holds up. And that's something the Mario games have to their advantage, at least most of them, (laughs) Um, is that graphically, because of the sprite-based way they did it, it still looks good. And yeah, Super Mario World, no exception. Um, It looks good. It plays nice. There's no yeah. issues. I mean, I'm playing on an iBuffalo USB controller on PC, um, mm-hmm. and I have no issues. I mean, aside from the occasional dropped input, but that's you know kind of emulator-based and possibly controller-based. But yeah, yeah that's typical, and that, that doesn't take away from the game um, as a whole. It absolutely holds up still, gameplay-wise fairly- everything.
0: It's fairly difficult. You you, you kind of have to go outside of the Mario landscape to find games that are that control worse than Mario. That way you can have a good understanding and perspective <laughs> of how good Mario games do control yeah. because their flagship Mario titles. Yes, even going back to Mario One, their controls for jumping and movement and all these things. They put time and effort into making those timeless, and that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to go back and play like Mario 3 and go, yeah, okay, I played this when I was a kid, but how does it hold up today? And guess what? Holds up. Looks good. Sounds good. Controls good. It's, it's great.
1: Yeah, I mean, for a comparison, I can just go play Mega Man. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is so much better.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> sure. I'm telling you, Nintendo Jumping. And even yeah. old school Mario, I had the same kind of thing as Nintendo jumping as a whole. I'm I think that's kind of what it is for me. I just I just can't do it. There's something about it's, it. the It's the, the code jumping is the, you know, good point.
0: Yeah. A lot of I mean, you go look at Castlevania where <laughs> Castlevania one where I'm gonna jump forward. Are you sure that's what you wanna do? Yes. Okay, because once you hit that jump button and you jump forward there's no turning back (laughs) you (laughs) are you are committed to that jump and you don't understand that this conversation happens between your mind and the game instantaneously when you're playing the video game (laughs) you don't realize that until you see simon fall through the pit and it's like yeah it's ah no 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 control wasn't bad you just didn't commit at the right time. <laughs> mm. There is no pull back. Wait, 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 wait! I don't want to jump that way. No bullshit. The button press says you did.
1: <laughs> yeah, eat it. So, speaking of jumping, I of course need to jump into my next Mario May game. Oh, uh, segways, Chris! About, nice. <laughs> I talked about not knowing what to play after. Uh, Super Mario World, because I was like, well, I could go back and I was thinking probably Mario 3 is probably the n- kind of closest to it, the next, the uh, close enough to not make me feel gross as far as controls, you know? I was mm-hmm. like, maybe I'll go play Mario 3. And I was like, you know what, let me see what are on the classics. Because, you know, I have those, so I have those easily available to me. Mm-hmm. And I went and looked at the SNES Classic, and I was like, okay, you know, Yoshi's Island is on there. I could play that. And I was like, wait, what if I play something that's not a traditional Mario game? Because on there is Super Mario RPG. Mm, And I'd started it before, but I never finished it. Because let me tell you when I played it. I played it because someone had put it on the school computer's the ROM for an emulator, so in Jesus. my computer class, you know, like ten minutes occasionally a day, and who knows what happened to my saves back then if I even had them or if you know other people wrote them. I don't remember, but that was that was the time when I played it. That was all my Super Mario RPG interaction up to this point. Wow, mm-hmm. but I was like, you know what? I've seen parts of a Super Mario RPG speedrun. run. I We've talked about the game. I know it's a good game. I was like, and I like RPG, so why not? That seems like a good uh, transition. So I am 14 hours in Super Mario RPG, and I am at the final boss. Wow. Who kicked my butt last night, and I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll finish it today because I'm going to have to redo the fight. <laughs> Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so I still have to beat him um, but yeah it's alright so where do I start with this game so story wise it's got some amusing uh, plot points uh, your whole interaction with Bowser is amusing mm-hmm. um, his dialogue for a lot of the game is pretty amusing uh, the The fact that Mario never speaks, and not only doesn't speak voice-wise, obviously this isn't a voice-acted game, but also that he doesn't have any lines of text in the game that I've seen. Yeah, Um, He does everything with miming it out, (laughs) um, and actually changing his shape into other things somehow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hey (laughs) man, he's got talent. That's for sure. Um, did you know
0: Mario can change it (laughs) uh,
1: it's kind of funny because there's always the I say always a a running thing when watching you know someone play a Mario game eventually someone brings up you know could Mario do this and you're like well look how high he can jump look at the strength in his legs he's strong enough sure (laughs) to do about anything you want him to do Um, but uh, there's actually uh, more than one reference in the game itself where it's like, yeah, his legs are super strong. He's, You see those legs? <laughs> you see how mm-hmm. he jumps? Um, <laughs> so after seeing the Twitch conversations and going back and reading that, I got to go laugh out of that. Um, mechanically, I really like how the game works mechanically, and that's kind of, lended itself to why i'm already at the final boss um now i'm not doing you know side stuff i've just been kind of going through the game's main story Uh, so the let's see so combat combat is pretty straightforward overall when you look at it from an rpg perspective you know you have your normal attacks you have your special attacks you have your items Etc., um, stats, all that stuff as part of leveling up, but there are other mechanics at play. And I know we talked about a little, little bit of this when we talked about it during whatever year in review and game of the year conversation, but the one thing is you can press a button, depending on what it is, at a certain time and affect the attack. Whether it's the mm-hmm. player's attack or the enemy's attack. Yep. So you can either, uh, when an enemy's attacking you, you time it right, you can either have your damage or completely negate it. A big zero, I say big, a little zero comes up on the screen, <laughs> um, and you take no damage. And that is such a great feeling when not only do you time it well enough to get that uh, bonus. You know, reduction of damage, but it's also triggers... I don't know if it's a timing that triggers to zero, if it's just a chance for zero. I don't know. But regardless, it's a great feeling to just completely negate a boss's damage to a character, yep. because I press the button at the right time. Mm-hmm. And then I attack and press the right button at the right time, and I do double damage. <laughs> or <laughs> a little bit more, depending on if it's special or not. Um, so going through the game and Uh, I didn't know this until I was looking up a comparison between Mario specials because you have your normal jump you start with which is a single jump you press the button at the right time and you basically get your crit with your special but then he has um, I'm skipping over the fireball because I don't really consider that as important um, Mm -hmm. at least for the way I play Um, but then he gets his super jump Which, as long as you time the button presses right, you can potentially go forever on doing damage to this enemy. Yep. But, I ran into an issue where I was like, well, I can do my normal jump and do 150 damage, or I can do 10 uh, super jump hits, and I only do 100. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. How many hits do I need to get before it becomes worth it? and when i looked it up i found out that every time you use jump that's going towards a hidden stat that makes your jump more powerful so if you only ever jump throughout the game yeah your normal jump will dwarf even the ultra jump the upgraded version of super jump later in the game nice so i'm like oh that explains it i and I know this is because the boss had a weakness to jumps. I did over 800 damage <laughs> to a boss. And I was like, that's obscene. Yep. That is ridiculous. That is one hit. I just timed it right. 800 damage. <laughs> yep. And that was against something that was weak to it. The normal damage is like 300, which is still awesome. Um, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to continue jumping on everything. I can. Um, you know, I'll buy all the flower points, which are the equivalent of MP in this game, magic points in this game. I'm going to buy all the flower point refilling items I need to make sure Mario does nothing but jump. He will not heal. He will not defend. He is going to jump every single action I take with him unless I have no choice. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm getting him up to the point where He's going to murder things. And that's kind and of where know what? I'm at. Uh, that
0: is a sound strategy, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, I think my record for the ultra jumps at this point is around 14. Um, mm-hmm. or super jumps rather ultra jumps is the same thing, but higher level. So anyway, um, and I tried ultra jumps once and I was like, that was sad. <laughs> I was like, that still does less damage in my jumps. Um, because I don't quite have the rhythm down to get a ton of jumps nor do I necessarily want to take the time for that, you know. Mm-hmm. I sure I'm I'm not having to deal with enemy turns while I'm knocking out this rhythm of hits. But it's still going to take me 5 minutes to finish this hit if I'm, you know, really going to go into it. it's really <laughs> realistically more like 10 seconds before I fail it. But yeah. If I'm good at it, then sure, I could go, say, two minutes. In that same two minutes, I could have done a regular jump, you know, maybe five, six times, depending on enemy actions and what I'm doing on my turns, and kill the boss. And then that super jump that took that long still may not do as much damage um, in comparison. So, it's a really cool mechanic, and I really like the hidden thing with the jumps and your jump game more powerful which makes total sense for Mario you jump legs get stronger do more damage etc I think I'm at like level 20 Mm
2: -hmm.
1: which is on the low end for uh, casual play Um, do you know if the game actually caps out at 30 because I saw someone reference 30 but it seems like it's it's
0: been too long man I don't believe it does but it's been too long
1: I think 30 may just be there indicating that's kind of the overkill point (laughs) yeah it may be Um,
0: yeah I would agree with that
1: but yeah I I got and I I entered the final dungeon area at like 17 Um, so I've gained these last few levels really fast Um, Mm -hmm. uh, let's see apparently Um, yeah
0: 30 is the maximum I never okay. I, don't, I may maybe I never got the thirty. That's why I don't remember.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually got enough um of the green coins to get the experience booster item, so Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Put that on the tank character. Uh, spoiler free here. Uh, put that on tank character and let him level up because Mario is basically leveling just by using jump. So mm-hmm. get my tank out there to keep Mario alive. Uh along with the healer, and yeah, I'm good.
0: Yes, yeah, because I love this game so much. Uh, we've, we've done a few episodes where we've talked about it. I'm going to say, as of this point, you've already heard Chris talk enough about it, and you. I can tell you I, w- I will agree, if not double his sentiment. Super Mario RPG, great Super Nintendo game. Worth playing if you have it for your original Super Nintendo. Worth playing if you have it on the, on the SNES Classic. Worth playing mm-hmm. if you get a ROM somehow. I don't care how you play it definitely a great game from this point on spoilers so (laughs) they're out there um yeah so keep going keep going
1: yeah um let's see there are so level design wise um a lot of the areas feel kind of short but i think that's kind of in theme with the game um The areas don't really need to be long. But they have a lot of secrets as well. There are hidden chests all over the place. Which I didn't realize how many I was missing until I had pulled up something to see kind of how far I was through the game. And I saw, oh hey, here's hidden chest number 23. And I'm like, oh, I've already missed 23 of these because I think I got like one. (laughs) Because I wasn't even jumping around or doing anything to look for them because I didn't know they were there. Um, so now when I go to a new place, I'm just randomly jumping around, you know, on everything I can to look for stuff. Um, I have a very, very difficult time with the uh, platforming in the game.
0: Yes. That's because yeah, that the, whole yeah. 3d aspect. Hmm. It's, 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 it's not only because it's 3d, it is that but the reason why the 3d platforming in this game is so off is because you're you're constantly moving at angles you're moving mm-hmm. and jumping and platforming at angles and when you're used to left and right maybe a little bit of up and down having having to do the diagonals and pseudo specific Uh, motions and jumping on pseudo-specific squares yeah that is definitely a complaint that is echoed throughout the community as a whole but it usually gets trumped out by yeah but the game is so good and fun i didn't care (laughs) like that was more of a nuisance than a than a than a deal breaker you know
1: yeah really it only became a huge issue when i got to the uh cloud area and there are vines you have to climb up and jump from one yep. to another. Yep. I failed this one jump over and <laughs> over and uh, over. Yeah, yep. And yep. I was like, I I swear, I am pressing the buttons. Mario is jumping. Here is the vine I'm jumping to. I'm doing the same jump from this one to this one. Why is this one to this one so much harder? And, yep. yeah, that, I think I ended up not even completing it. I think I just went okay. Well, I'm gonna go this way and went up a different vine. Yeah, I skipped possibly a secret or something. I don't even know. But Yeah, it's it's in in the uh, in some areas you can actually use the shadows to kind of gauge where it actually is in the 3D uh, uh, layer, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, I need to line up these platforms. So let me wait till the shadows are aligned. And then I can jump in that direction and preferably have it be, like you're saying, just up and right and not at a diagonal. Because half the time I jump at a diagonal, one of the D-pad directions isn't pushed enough, so I'm jumping right or jumping up instead of diagonal upright, you know.
2: Mm Hmm.
1: But, um, bosses are pretty straightforward. I think I've only died to maybe two of them. Um, I, let's see, I think, I think one of them, I was, I, I'm trying to think how many attempts things took me, because I think the last boss I died to, aside from the final boss, I beat it on the third try, and that, you know, involved me switching around some gear and, uh, accessories basically because the accessories so here so something else that i wish was a little bit different about the game is you can only have one accessory equipped to a character so you have to make some potentially hard choices about what do i want my character to either be immune to to have boosted like the healer never want the healer silenced that's just yeah a given um but it's like, okay, on the tank, do I want to boost his defense or do I want to make him immune to a status effect like being turned into a mushroom and being worthless?
0: Oh, um, man, yeah.
1: I've had more than one fight where all three characters got turned into a mushroom. Yep. Um, one of them was a boss fight. That That's <laughs> one of the only bosses I died on, too. I was like, uh-huh. okay, well... One character is dead. The other two are mushrooms. So I'll just wait for them to get auto-attacked until they die. Cause I and that's what you things. have to do. Yep. And and it, it's also amusing when I'm still getting the defensive button presses in time. So they're doing half damage <laughs> because I'm trying to wait it out. But they just do too much <laughs> and overwhelm me. But it's like, yeah, yep. this mushroom is blocking the attack somehow. <laughs> um. But also saved me later on against some normal enemies that did it to me. I was like, I'm not dying to normal enemies like this. I'm just going to keep defending as well as I can. Because um, when you're a mushroom, you also heal. So that's pretty cool. Kind of uh, uh, a little bit of uh, easing the pain <laughs> of mm-hmm. being turned into something that can't act. You literally don't even get the prompt. Um, so, well, While you're like this, you will heal a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I had enemies doing like three damage to me with the reduction, but I'd heal for five to ten. <laughs> so I was gaining more than I was losing and finally ended up getting control back and winning. But um yeah, back to accessories. It was like, do I want my tank to be immune to something like that? And Mario, once I got um uh, a certain accessory that lets him jump on any enemy, because apparently some enemies are immune to jumps. I never unequipped yep. them because mm-hmm. I always want to be able to jump, especially with the strategy I'm doing to jump on everything. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: So not being able to put anything else like the anti-mushroom or something like that on Mario is very disappointing in a lot of cases. Um, so even if they had two slots, you know, and the accessories were maybe a little bit uh, more specific, like the silence one, it's like mute, which is the coma silence and uh, sleep, or on the same accessory, it could be one mm-hmm. or the other and I'd be fine with that, I'd just quit both if I needed both, you know, or I'd just have silence on and then something else for the other so I, you know, it could still be balanced out to pretty much act the same Um, but I would like a little more flexibility but
2: mm-hmm.
1: overall, yeah solid recommendation Um, solid game, you know what I don't even remember what year that was or what game won over it. Um, but yeah, I mean it certainly deserves to go on the top ten of the year at least, um, if not a higher ranking. I want to say it was near the top.
0: I have done a horrible job of keeping all these lists. I usually just refer uh, back to the actual spreadsheet on our uh on our Google yeah. Doc, but those get overwritten, so Yeah, audience, let us know.
1: (laughs) I just normally hide them. Um,
0: Oh, I'm actually looking for
1: it. Yeah, because I just have to hide them until I find it.
0: Well, let me ask: Is there is is that it for games for your week?
1: Uh,
2: yeah.
0: All right, good. Then we'll we'll cap this episode off with talking about my RPG again. Then I'm all (laughs) All for that. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. Starting from the top. The idea of this game, not just from the novelty, but just the idea of this game being made, even back then, crazy. Somebody asked somebody else, hey, what you think of a Mario RPG? And somebody had to fold their arms and squint their eyes and cock their head and go, how are you going to make Mario an RPG because RPGs predominantly have a shit ton of story. Mario has a little bit of story. A little bit of throwaway story at that. And it's a tried and true tested old school go rescue the princess story. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're gonna do to make that a story. And then they did. And And then after they said
1: they were going to then they go well who's going to help us with this new oh. well what why not square
2: <laughs> i they know a, a guy
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes exactly
1: square and nintendo
0: yep and so okay so if you look at the story of super mario rpg it starts out the way that you know it you know hey bowser's mm-hmm. got the princess you gotta go help Bow. you gotta go help the princess you go fight bowser you're fighting bowser some shit goes down a fucking sword st- comes falls from the sky stabs through the castle super mario rpg title screen and it's mm-hmm. like wait what the fuck is this all about and then you play through the game and find out that there's stars, just that. And, and a lot of this stuff is so familiar. It's new, but it's familiar. You yeah. know, they use stars as the MacGuffins of the game. And yet, Mario is not unfamiliar with stars. He uses stars to become invincible. You can use stars as you can collect three stars as end cards in Super Mario uh, Th- Brothers 3. You get stars in Super Mario 64, which is not out yet. But the point I'm getting at is stars are not just some new random thing. They didn't, they didn't throw like the a, a wand of something, something in there. It's like no stars, you can it'll it'll fit and no,
1: real uh, quick. Mm-hmm. Going back to you know when it was in the review and game of the year, that was mm-hmm. 1996. Ah, uh, yes, it got it got second place to Super Mario 64.
2: <laughs> oh well. <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> wow okay so now which came out first Super Mario 64 or Super Mario I'll RPG check. yeah that's a good question but in any event it, it the point is that using stars as a thing in a Mario game it's not unknown it's, it's, it's a new and it fits you can see how it would fit into a Mario game I think another question Chris would be where did Super Mario RPG tap in in the uh, top 10 RPGs or top 5 RPGs I had to feel it was on the list
1: Yeah, I'm Hmm. pretty sure it is, I'll check that in a second so Super Mario 64 was June 23rd Super Mario RPG was March 9th so there was a March April, May, June so there was roughly 4 months in between Uh, them so they were being developed at the same time
0: uh, and this was 1996. Yeah, banner year, another banner year. Um, so yeah, uh, so it, it it starts off at a very early on in the onset. Mario, go save the princess. Go fight Bowser. Yada yada yada. It turns into this whole like you find out about stars being wishes and stars basically, especially in in essence, in this game having their own area and. You have these new characters like Malo that show up, uh Gino, which has become uh, a fan favorite for years, uh Gino Smash has been a big thing, you know, people want Gino and Smash. And I- I'll tell you, I-, I really hope that the Gino and Smash thing has not like over popularized Gino where people just kinda understand he's a meme now because even back then, man, Gino's character was pretty interesting. You know, it was a falling star that's helping you go through all of these trials and tribulations and acting as sort of a guide to help right the wrongs that Smithy uh, has done. And so I, I feel that while they are brand new characters, both of those two, they they fit in this game. They fit in the game. They fit in the Mario world. And that that's important. That's awesome that they were able to do that. Um so the the whole uh, the story in Mario RPG as a whole is awesome while it's not what you would consider like I I don't know it's it's hard to say because it it's so different but it fits in the Mario universe you know uh but the story the story works story is great graphics all right they went for a pseudo 3D uh angled view and it works. You know, this was def this was this was different. I don't I can't think of another top down angled our Ar- uh, Mario game that ever used this up until this point. If there was one, please let me know, but I don't I don't think there was. No. Um and the graphics fit. I mean the characters look like what you would expect them to look like. The two new characters, their character designs fit into this game and they fit again into the Mario world, so they look like they fit and they actually fit. The music, it's it all it's all themed, it all matches up. It's it's memorable, it's catchy and all those work. And then you get to the combat. And I really feel like you may come for the story because you want an RPG to have a good story, but Mm -hmm. I do feel like you stay for the combat. Uh, I don't, again, this is another history lesson that I should learn on my own uh, or should, sorry, should research on my own. I don't know if button commands, I don't think that Mario RPG invented button commands in combat. I have to think that there were other games before Mario RPG to have that however it works extremely well in this game I mean almost every action that you that is either an action you do or an action done to you can have a button prompt that will let you change and alter something and it works so well where it it works to the point where if you don't even want to use them, you don't have to. You just need to know that what all you're really doing is extending your combat out. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: you, you will have to grind more than someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's it's great because it gives you multiple outs. You can go into a fight, and if Somehow you calculated it out, you will know exactly how many actions, be it jump or fireball or what have you, that you would need to do to take out all these enemies in one and in two, and then are done. Or you can be middle ground where, yeah, I, I do the button presses, but I don't do all of them accurately, and I kind of like I'll get four jumps instead of a hundred, or I get seven or nine, or sometimes I fuck up and get three, and it's okay. You don't have to be perfect, but the extra things you're doing give you additional boosts to something. Or you can do nothing at all and say, I'm just not, I don't want to do the button presses for whatever reason. And it's okay. You're just going to have a little bit of a harder time. Yeah, so
1: I got, I had a few times where I was like, you know what? I want to go look at this while I'm doing this fight. You know, I'm fighting, but I need to go look something up. Or I'm fighting, but I want to watch something. But. I could not let myself be distracted. I could yep. not let myself miss those button yep. uh, presses. I was like, alright. And then I'd look back and be like, okay, got it. <laughs> yep. And I ended up ignoring everything else um, that I was trying to get sidetracked by or trying to do at the same time because I had to get them. It's just once you get into the pattern of it, you're like, okay, this yeah, this is so much easier. This is how the game should be played, it feels like. It's like, this is... At, as you said without grinding more it feels like this is how the game was intended to be played mm-hmm. this is how it feels like it was balanced because if i'm not if i don't do this i'm going to take twice as much damage and that could be the difference between a wipe and barely anything
0: and so. I, you, you got to understand man this this right here this 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 action button presses in combat it's I, I I can't think of people that would just turn their nose up to this because mm-hmm. this adds another dynamic which we know from other games that have come out since then. Uh, this adds another dynamic to the combat that makes the combat even more interesting. Right? You know, you instead of it's just being the four you know attack spell item and run. You know, mm-hmm. you now want to engage in the combat. You want to try out all, all your abilities. You want to try out all all of your offensive moves and defensive moves to see well what can I manipulate what what does so work invested. for me exactly you're invested in the combat in the moment it's and it has a payoff to it so not mm-hmm. only are you getting hopefully getting better at, at your timing it's giving you a reward for every time that you do as opposed to attack next character attack next character attack next character and then you get hit you get hit you, and repeat I mean, if the if I could have one small critique that I would love to see get implemented in this game, I mean, I wish it would have been implemented in the classic, but they didn't change the game. Good. I would have loved to see like an auto combat. I but think about that auto combat wouldn't that would take away that would diminish all of that. Because yeah. now your characters are just doing everything for you. Not only are they just hitting and hitting and hitting, enemy, 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 hitting, hitting, hitting. Now you're you're not getting the bonuses like you want to. It's there's no there's no you press one button and the combat goes on. So yeah, it's 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 good. I think that yeah. really summarizes this game for me. Is that you come for the story to see how it all changes, and you come for the graphics that this game produces, but you stay when you start getting the fights.
1: Yeah, one of my kind of, you know, wishes for the game is that area of effect stuff was more useful. Mm -hmm. Um, Because first off, there aren't many characters that at least, I don't know, I haven't used them all. I'll be honest. I have three characters I use and I don't switch them. And Mm -hmm. I haven't since I unlocked those characters. Okay. But with the characters I use, um, I have area of effect attacks. And some of them have other effects, so you're not doing it for the damage. But then there are some you do for the damage. And it feels like, well, this isn't very good because you can find items that do damage. And, okay, these items are doing just a straight 200 to every enemy on screen. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I can do this area effect attack, and I do, like, 30. You know, sure, I'm not getting the button pressed, but even if I did, that would top out at probably 60. Yeah. So, that's still almost a quarter with the crit of just an item. Which maybe is rare, sure, but it's still there. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of should be at least some sort of guideline to where the character attack should be.
0: Yeah. Yep. It's definitely a fun game all the way around. uh, Hey, folks you heard it right here from chris who's playing this as of this recording this is like in the be- the middle of may 2019 mm-hmm. holds up obviously yep. holds up because he's playing in it and enjoying it and i will say chris spoiler free but just something to look forward to one of the best ending credits uh credit rolls in, in video game history. Like, it's okay. up. It's not... i I'd say it's in the top 15, but it's up there. And, like, you're going to feel good when you beat this game. It's good, good stuff. Right. Good stuff to look forward to. So, yeah. Uh... That's going to do it for tonight, folks. What do you think about Mario RPG? Have you played Super Mario RPG? Are you into RPGs at all? Have you played Persona 5? That's right. Still harping on that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think if I'm going to talk about an RPG in an episode, we're not going to remind you. We, not just me, me and Chris are going to remind you. You need to get on that Persona 5 game. But Mario RPG holds up great stuff. It's Expectations met if you had any. If you had any questions of how they were going to do it, they showed you how they were going to do it. Did it very well. Uh, have you played it? Do you have interest in play it? Would you like to play it? Uh, are there any old classic games that you as well, like I'm going through now, are in your backlog that you need to go through? Um, I'm in a fortunate situation right now. It's, it's it's a love, hate, it's fortunate, unfortunate. I'm unfortunate because there are no new games coming out that I really, I'm burning to play. But it's fortunate because now I can breathe and go, all right, a lot of shit I need to catch up on time to catch up on it. Are you in that situation? Even if you're not, what are some games that you need to get back around to? What are some classic games you played that you, you want to play again just because they were that good? Uh, what games are you working on right now? What movies have you watched? What anime have you seen? What movies are you looking forward to? Uh, anything you'd like to talk about. We'd love to talk to our audience. We'd love to have your feedback. We'd love to hear things that interest you in all of this nerd bubble, this nerd dome, I guess you'd say. Uh, and there are many ways you can get a hold of us Uh, you can go to Facebook and search for us on, search for End of Time Cast, it uh, will take you right to our Facebook page, it may be how you found this episode right here you can drop us a a message on there, you can leave a comment on one of our many uh, video posts Uh, just one avenue to get a hold of us we have an email address, you can email us at endoftimecast at gmail.com that's endoftimecast at gmail.com no funny numbers in there, just spell as you heard it we have a twitter page you can tweet us you can uh, retweet us we have a youtube channel where we are uploading our episodes uh as they are being produced well okay okay i'm not producing them and uploading <laughs> them at the same time that would be uh, quite impossible if we did it live maybe yeah but we don't so uh anyway a youtube channel where our episodes are being uploaded too so you can find an episode that you like and even if you want to time stamp it but leave comments uh positive or negative man just in general we would love to talk to our audience yeah, uh, it's one thing for me and Chris to bounce this stuff back and forth, or me, Chris, and Adam, or Adam and Chris, or whatever. It's one thing for us to talk between ourselves, but to have you, the audience, chime in, and man, let me tell you about playing through Witcher Two the other day. This was I'm glad that you guys brought this up, or nah, I need to go back and play. Uh, I need to play Illusion of Gaia because I'm blah blah blah. It's nice to hear that stuff, man. We love to we love to talk gaming, and we would love to talk to you about gaming and engage with you. Um again like it like we had an episode title, not for money, just because we love talking video games. So yeah, that's gonna do it for tonight's episode and until next time, I'm Michael. And I'm Chris. Good night everybody.